We are the Bros Who Think Network, and you're tuned in to Bros Who Binge. Enjoy. What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. This is our 42nd episode, Lyndon. As it's always, Lyndon. I'm Adam Schubert. That's Lyndon Burton, by the way. Hey, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. See, I didn't know whether or not to speak there or just like chillax. That was that was on me. That was on me. It's the 42nd heat, man. episode. You know, I'm sitting in here in a freaking sauna in my yeah, apartment with no air conditioning, and so like you know, I'm just. I'm just working. <laughs> that, I'm, I'm, that, that blows, man, because I'm over here in the studio. It is cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, the, the sweat has just started to come. Jeez. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> All right, but anyway, yeah, so well, this is the Bros Who Binge podcast where we don't talk about sweaty dudes. We talk about <laughs> movies. 100%. This is a big been, episode, bro. Yeah, this is a really big episode, Lyndon, because we have not only some really great topics, especially in the world of Star Wars, but we get to sit, well, not sit down, but talk with one, someone that we both really look up to in this journalism space. Tell them who it is. We get, we're sitting down with the ace scooper himself, El Mayimbe, Umberto Gonzalez. I'm super excited, Umberto Gonzalez of The Rap. If you listen to this podcast, when we're, when we're talking about, oh, such and such is playing this superhero. Oh, such and such is doing this. Nine times out of ten, it's from the ace scooper himself. So it was really dope to sit down with him, talk to him about how he got into the scooping business. His story's crazy because I didn't even, like, I thought it was something totally different. But then when I hear it, I'm like, whoa, that's wild. And then just getting into some of the DC, the future of the DCEU as well as the future of Marvel. Really great conversation. You guys are in for a treat this week. Yeah, man, that was such a fun interview to talk with him. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But, you know, without any further ado, let's just go ahead and start talking about these stories. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's get it. All right. So, so if you look in our notes, Lyndon, I did give put some of my favorite screenshots from the Variety Fair, the, eh, the Variety Fair Star Wars pictures that were released from the set. So there's some like additional set pictures where you get to see JJ walking around with all the cameras and all that, but they showed like some almost screen caps and they are so freaking cool. Like, you, like you have this, are you excited? Yeah, man. I'm like, I think this one looks bet the best out of all of them. Yeah. This one looks like, really I, good. I see some serious world building. I'm seeing some lightsaber battles. We're getting some good, um, Fan service moments with this Lando, uh, with Poe and Chewie and BB-8 and the Millennium Falcon, almost like a Han and Lando vibe, which he's kind of been the Han character of this this whole thing, yeah, in my no, opinion. He, do you think he's going to get the Millennium Falcon? Nah, he's gotta go to no, 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 no. I don't know if he's going to get the Millennium Falcon. I mean, he's too much of a a pot, you know, a rebel yeah. pilot or whatever. What is it? Resistance, resistance yeah, pilot. Resistance pilot, yeah. What do you think of this Finn Noami no, uh, uh, this Finn Noami Noami Aki picture? Noami, I think that's her name. I mean, I'm expecting that this is going to be Naomi. some kind of battle because you know what we kind of assume in the at the end of all these kinds of trilogies, where you know if we look at 
episode three, there was definitely lots of war going on, lots of battles. We look at episode six, Return of the Jedi, you have the Battle of Endor. So I'm expecting there's going to be some kind of quintessential battle here that kind of wraps everything up. I'm assuming that this is where this screen cap comes from. I love these little horse, mammoth-looking, crazy aliens. You know, that's what I'm all about, man. I'm all about the world building. And I'm all about seeing new planets, new creatures, new species, or at least species that have been adapted from the stories that I've read. So no I'm really interested wait, to see how that goes. Wait, about this. I, you didn't put this on here, and I'm shocked that you didn't, but the picture that caught my eye the most was, why didn't Luke look like a, a Force ghost? Um, I didn't want to put that picture because I'm really <laughs> confused about it because it looks, <laughs> to me, it looks like a flashback. I didn't know what it was. Is JJ just saying Effie, he's alive? Like, holy crap. If that's the case, then dang. That, that's a bold <laughs> yeah. move. But, like, real, like, he didn't look like a Force ghost. He was touching R2. Yeah, yeah. you might be right. That, that's got to be I think a it's a flashback. That looks like the scene the from... The big scene? From, the, from what we established in that first movie where, like, you know... You, we'll go back to Force Awakens. Like I'm yeah, telling I everyone, I know what you're talking about. Where his hands on him, but didn't. But Ryan no, Johnson no, was, no. But no, I'm telling everyone here in the fans, all the fans, go back and watch Force Awakens. You don't have to watch the whole movie. Just go to the part where Ray touches the lightsaber. I think that a lot of the flashing scenes that we see in that sequence are going to come to play here because JJ did it for a reason. Of course, Ryan Johnson decided. Oh, JJ, you decided to do this for a reason. Well, I don't give a. Uh, rat, uh, you know, two two craps about that. So I'm gonna do whatever I want. But I think JJ is gonna come back to that, and he's gonna go and investigate more of what happened. Then we're gonna get some Knights of Ren, probably. Well, uh, we see the pictures of the Knights of Ren. They don't have lightsabers, yeah, but they don't have lightsabers. But you know, we'll see how that how that turns out. Um, and the other picture I didn't add into the notes was the picture that uh, the of the bounty hunter. That's gonna oh, be yeah. Carrie uh, Russell. Carrie Russell, yeah. Yeah, she looks so. like, uh, what's that bounty hunter from episode two? Oh, man, what's her name? Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking the, about. The though. one who turns into like that, that when she gets Yeah, she was uh, a changeling. Cut. Yeah, she was a changeling, yeah. That was, yeah. She, that's how, that's how uh, Carrie Russell kind of looks. We didn't even talk sure. about the Ray slashing at Kylo in the, in the rain pick, which you like that pick? Amazing. And uh, yeah. I think that's what we've all expected and, you know, that's... That's Star Wars for you. I mean, we're going to yeah. get one big good versus evil battle at the end. I think a lot of people are kind of upset because we kind of want to see them get on the same side, you know. But this could also be a time that's in, like, the near end where this is, like, them kind of coming to terms. And maybe Would you want to see the heel turn? No, I'm, I'm saying that that's what people want to see. Oh, I don't I, know. I, I, don't want, I don't want to see the heel turn because I just don't feel like that's Star Wars. If, I, don't, I just don't feel like he's redeemable. No, I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm actually referring to Ray. Oh wait, wait. Oh, you want to see the heel turn of Ray when she goes heel? Yeah, that's what people have been talking about, and I'm like, I'm yo, like, Daenerys yeah, got y'all wilding up here in these streets. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I'm just like, ah, I've already seen it. Like, I don't really need to. Yo, people but, would be. Wait, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. No, the internet would be a blaze if that happened. <laughs> I think it'd be pretty cool, but I mean, like, I also think it'd be really weird. Like, who ends up being good at the end of all this? And, like, my boy Finn, baby, my boy Finn is the real Jedi in all this. <laughs> Was Finn gonna take both these people out? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no. I, doubt, but it, I doubt it. 
But anyway, yeah, I think it's going to be Ray versus Kyle, of course. And I'm wondering what where where this planet is with all the rain. Like, it's what I'm saying. Like, almost every picture you see is in a different location. I feel like location, that's where... Which is I what like I love. The Death Star... You know where they uh they showed the second Death Star crash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's where that's at. I feel like it's the same case for this uh, Finn name Yaki picture, too. Real, real. Yeah. Do, you, do you believe the rumor... Last little thing on Star Wars before we move on. Do you believe the rumors that... When they were saying how she's his daughter, do you think they're going to make that Finn and the daughter just one big Calrissian family? Uh, maybe so. Because um, I, I I've, I've heard something about like this. She was supposed to play his, her brother. But if you're saying that he's gonna be, she's gonna be Lando's kid, then like I assume that's gonna be her own thing. Maybe they have, maybe that's the, his new romantic thing. Maybe Finn just has like a new romantic thing every movie. Bro, my boy Finn was supposed to get with Ray, but I, I digress. Well, I've heard that the relationship between Kelly Marie Tran and Finn is not going to be addressed. In this. Beautiful, that beautiful, because that it has to be that. Like someone's got to talk about this kiss or something. Like be like at least, or I mean, unless there's a time jump. That's I mean, all. Like, Someone's, gonna, someone's just gonna be. This girl's gonna be like, so like I kissed you. She, he's gonna be like, well, like I, I didn't ask you to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I'm. Uh, you, do you see that Jedi over there? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's rude of me. But no, I agree. I agree with you 100. But yeah, no, man. Star Wars. I'm excited. Uh, December can't get here fast enough. Exactly, man. But. And it's it's just crazy because like I can't gauge which one I'm more excited for at this point because I did get to see some of that footage of the Mandalorian and I'm like man like this looks serious serious like for the Star Wars sweaties like you know I'm literally sweating like I'm just like uh, so excited for this Mandalorian thing right now. Bruce, give me those leak that leak footage off air. All right, because like uh, it's got stormtroopers. It looks very original trilogy so i'm really looking forward to mandalorian but just because of these pictures geez i think this might be the best one yet out of the new trilogy see and that's 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 baloney and kathleen kennedy made a comment and i and i tweeted like they need to and she was she was talking about how star wars isn't gonna do some factory universe and we're not gonna even be marvel where we do these lit these types of stories or whatever where we introduce a character and he gets his own franchise but i was just like no y'all need to be like marvel where you get a creative guy like feige that keeps your storylines in order and you have the, the guy who learned under george which who is dave filoni give that man some more power yeah exactly i mean i think dave filoni's gonna prove himself here uh because we've seen at first, you know, we knew that he was going to help out Favreau, but after that panel where yeah, Filoni's like pretty involved. much sitting on the panel, I'm like, oh, well, I mean, this is just like a dual project, it seems like to me. So, uh, you know, I think Filoni's going to get it done. One last thing before Star War, uh, of Star Wars, I got to shout out uh, the Resistance uh, broadcast. That oh, you another po- No, the Resistance broadcast is a, it's another podcast that I listen to and I communicate with on Twitter. And uh, they are doing a campaign right now that I'm all for. Hashtag make Solo 2 happen. Oh, my. I swear. I saw that campaign. I meant to tell you about it. I was like, oh, man. Y'all really want that movie to happen? Yes. I need to put it on Disney+. Plus. I mean, and it doesn't have to be too much, Han. Huh? I want just more Lando, more Kira. I want more Kira. 
Way hey, more hey, Kira. Well, we talked about a Red Dawn series. Yeah, pretty much. And I think so not, not, not Red Dawn. Whatever they wanted to. That'd be lit. That, that's where I'm still thinking. I'm still leaning towards that third Disney Plus thing. If it's not Jedi, it's not Obi Wan, then I'm thinking it's Kira and Red Dawn. Man, you think Amelia Clark would want to go back to TV after just being in a long series like she? Well, I mean, shit, she might as well. Make uh, some, yeah, make I mean, some real bread. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what she wants to do. I, I, I think her phone's ringing off the hook at this point. I think I've seen her in like a couple other projects coming up. So, yeah, she's gonna be so, busy. I mean, she's gonna be busy. She, she's up. great, but we're gonna talk more about Amelia Clark later. No, one hundred percent. But let's get into. We have some information on the untitled Christopher Nolan movie. It's no longer untitled. It is called Tenet, or I, I don't know if it's French with today, but it's T-E-N-E-T, Tenet. And uh, the film is being described as an action epic evolving from the world of international espionage. We'll shoot on location across seven countries and joining the previously announced cast members of John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, and Elizabeth Debicki will be Dimple Capadia. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Clements Posey, Michael Caine, and Kenneth Branagh. Tenet is set for a release of July 17th, 2020. Yeah, I, I low-key forgot Robert Pattinson was in this movie. And now yeah. we're getting Aaron Taylor Johnson in this with John David Washington. It's, a, it's an ap, ex, uh, action epic coming out of espionage. Yo, Chris Nolan, I'm excited. Like People always want to see Chris Nolan do Bond. I, I feel like this is going to be his stab at doing a Bond-esque film. I think so. Um, I'm really interested to see who ends up being the major characters here because there are a lot of names. Well, I mean, John David Washington's the lead. Yeah, John David Washington's the lead. I think I guess I'm going to assume that Robert Pattinson is pretty high up there because he was announced pretty early on. Is he the? You think he would be the villain? That would be interesting, especially because he's now going to be Batman or maybe Bat maybe, Batman. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later as well. Yeah. Uh, so if. I would like to see him as a villain. I don't think we've ever really seen him in that role before. And, like, in, you know, as your mustache twirling, like, villain, like, I think, you know, we've seen him be some hard-nosed characters and some dramas, but I'd really like to see him do the villain role. I think that'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, and th that means then probably Aaron Taylor Johnson's either. I honestly think Kenneth Branagh is going to be somewhat the, the villain. He always kind of ends up in that role. But see, I'm thinking, see, but I can't think just James Bond. I feel I feel like if we're going to get, like, a, 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 a section or like an agency of people. Kenneth Branagh or Michael Caine is is in charge of John David Washington. One of them is. Maybe yeah, I think either one of them. I would go. I would lean towards Michael Caine. I just can't find see Michael Caine right now being a villain. Oh no 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 yeah no Michael Caine's he might be the the guy who give like who is in charge of the agency that that John David Washington works for. But one of them is I, I'm I'll, I'll bet the house on that. Elizabeth Debicki seems like she might be the love interest. Or she might, or she might be. Who knows? She might be the villain, man. Who knows? But Maybe. I'm excited for this for this Nolan movie. I'm always excited to see what Nolan does next because this is gonna be. It seems like this is gonna be the first really action oriented story he tells since the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight trilogy. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really interested in whatever Nolan's been. Nolan does. I mean, I think he, you know, Dunkirk was the most recent thing, correct? Yeah. And I mean, we've seen the success that Dunkirk's been able to do. The and I was mad Dunkirk. Dunkirk yeah, might be my least favorite Nolan film. Yeah, I was kind of mad on it too, but I mean, it was shot beautifully. Oh no, no, great film! Like it was, it was, yeah. it was a over like from the 
judging it as a film, great film, but just for me personally, not one of my favorite Christopher Nolan outings. Yeah, but so, so I mean, this is going to be him bringing in something new. I think we more want to see him do some of the stuff in the action action world, kind of like similar to Dark Knight, but obviously we're going to go into like James Bondish spy territory. So I think it's going to be interesting. And you know, Nolan is one of these directors and filmmakers who right now who is um, who's huge. I mean, like if you wanted to put in your like if you wanted to think about like your largest filmmakers right now you got to put in tarantino i think anything that tarantino does you're gonna go watch uh i think nolan kind of carries that i think uh um, scorsese yeah i think denny Villeneuve is still getting up there but i agree that he's definitely one of the better filmmakers right now i would say james gunn Ooh, you think you think gunn carries that 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 i think in, in the world of the sweaties he does but in, you think the average yeah day, yeah yeah, okay, for sure. In the world of sweaties, James Gunn's name definitely carries weight, but I don't know if it's if it's. Well, I mean, he's the one that he he barely. I think I don't think he had much to do on Brightburn, but except like yeah, monitor the situation. But I mean, he's the name that they're pushing. He is. He definitely is. So I, and I'm. So it's gonna fall on him how this goes. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. But yeah. but speaking on Nolan, can't wait to see this, and I'm super super excited for Tenny. Can't wait for the release July seventeenth, twenty twenty. All right, well, let's uh, talk about video game adaptations. The, lead, the most recent one is going to be Just Cause. Uh, Germany's Constantine Film has acquired movie rights to the Just Cause video game franchise and hired John Wick creator Derek Kolstad to write the script. Uh, okay, um, this is interesting. I mean, Just Just Cause can be at... It, it can it can work. I mean, like it'll just be a yeah. typical action film. For people who don't really know who just what Just Cause is, it's a story of multiple factions fighting for control of a small nation. Um, it usually, kind of takes place in like the Caribbean or something like that. And you play so, as like I forget the character's name. You play as Rico Rodriguez. Yeah. So I mean, a secret it, agent who originally hails from the Mediterranean nation of Medici. So is yeah, it? this this would be a this would be an action movie. I'm not I'm not big on this. It's it's with Evs. Well, I gotta see a trailer. Kind of, it kind of goes into the conversation of those of what's to come with the next event TV because you know Witcher is another video game adaptation, and I mean if it's done by the right people and uh, from what I've heard this John Wick fr- trilogy, which now may not be a trilogy. Uh, is one of the better new newer trilogies out that kind of is you know right now like i feel like I, that's not a big ip name and so uh having him come in and do this this could be uh this could be big no it could be a, it could be a solid nice new franchise you have depending on where it, it really all depends on where it comes out on no 100 percent. wait yeah. you haven't seen john Wick three have you no, I haven't seen any of them. Ah, okay. With the next story, then I'm definitely going to talk about that because I've seen John Wick three. We'll go for it. Okay, so the next story is John Wick four is planned for 2021. Look, John Wick three was a good film. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was to me, I liked it better than two. Wasn't better than one. Can they let it die, please? Like that's like, what I was thinking. I was like, I thought because a lot of people were saying that, oh man, this is like really closed it into a great trilogy. 
And then they're like, oh, John Wick 4 is coming. I'm like, oh, well, there that goes. No, it, wait, wait, time out. Schubert, it leaves on a cliffhanger. But the, Does it really? Yes, but well, not a cliffhanger. It leaves on like, oh, we're definitely coming back for another one. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like, bro, I didn't even want, like, spoiler alert. I'm just going to spoil something for three seconds. Three seconds. And you can get, you, you can fast forward like a minute and I'll be done talking about this. I promise. Three, two, one. The homie falls from on top of a building and you think he's dead. They bring him back to life again. And after the whole beginning part of the movie is him escaping from the assassin people again, he goes back and he, he friends them, but then he betrays them again. So then he, they think he's dead and it's over. But now it's him and Lawrence Fishburne going back to fight the whole assassin people again. Like, what the? Like, come on, bro. This thing should have ended. And I'd much rather see a continental TV show. Much rather see that. Like a TV show about the Assassin's Guild where each episode focuses on a different assassin or something along that line. I feel like that's a better use of the John Wick IP than doing John Wick 4, if I'm being 150% honest. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with film and TV today is beating a dead horse when it's already dead. Like in the movie, the action scene, you could tell that this was like, oh, we're really beating the dead horse because I, I saw an article that was like, oh, it's not as gory. They tried to make the fight scenes look real. But to me, it, you might not have saw as much blood, but it felt like they were like doing the action over the, bruh. The first couple f- seconds of the movie, you see someone's head come off or some shit like that. Like, and I was like, oh, wow, we're really doing this uh, for off rip hunch, aren't we? But like, it was badass. Don't get it twisted. I, like I said, I enjoyed the film, but it's like, we need to do something else with this IP because y'all are really beating this. This uh, you're just beating a dead horse, like you said, Shooter. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at, you know, I think Game of Thrones actually, with all the complaints that's getting, did did a good thing here. Like we could have gone what two or three more seasons of dialogue and and all that, but I think you know you got you got to cut it off. Eight seasons was enough. We've seen it with like Walking Dead. Walking Dead over overstayed its welcome. Um, Ooh, see, wait to that point. Sure, I've heard the new seasons, okay, whatever. But I'm saying, like, you know... No, 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 not about The Walking Dead. I'm talking about Game of Thrones. I actually would have liked to see it maybe two, like, a a season dealing with the White Walkers in a season dealing with Cersei and Daenerys. I I don't know. That's just me. But I don't want to talk about Game of Thrones Sure, but I mean, like, it would have dragged. I mean, like, you know, if if we would have... I'm saying, like... If Game of Thrones wouldn't have had the mentality of like, okay, we need to end it, and decided, okay, well, we just need to keep this going, and without having like the books behind them, oh, okay, I feel yeah. like that would have been. I feel like that would have really been bad. Mm-hmm. Like especially so I because, see where you come from. Yeah, so I mean, like I, I, I feel like you know, some of these series are going a little bit too long. Some of these uh, IPs or some of these movie groups are going too long. Shrek is a good example. Shrek should have stopped it too. Yeah, <laughs> like John Wick. John Wick definitely needs to stop at three. Like, I do not want to see a John Wick four. And if in like when I watch that trailer, if I'm seeing, it, bro, they have to do a good job to sell me to go back to the movie theater because I really just would prefer. Because you remember they announced the Continental TV series and nothing's come from it. Yeah, nothing has come from it. I mean, I feel like it would be a pretty pretty sweet series too. I don't really know too much about it because, like I said, I haven't seen it, but. Um, I'm definitely into that that sort of vibe for a TV series. No, it it would basically be it would tell the story of in in the world of John Wick. There's or the side hotels. characters, kind of. No, not even there's just these. Listen, there's these hotels 
that the Assassin's Guilds maintain. That's where the Assassins can go get weapons. They can rest on their missions. But inside the Continental, there's no fighting. You can't kill anybody. That's a strict rule. If you kill somebody, you break the rules. That's why John Wick was excommunicated. It's a long story. But there's big rules. You can't do it. And each Continental has a different manager who runs like part of the city. And you could see different Assassins come in. For example, the New York one has been there for a while. And you, and you, you have Ian McShane. There's a system they built. And you could see different Assassins who come to stay at the Continental and see their different adventures. That's what I like. I thought the series was going to be. And I was super excited for that, more so than following Keanu Reeves for any longer. Yeah, I mean, I love Keanu. He's one of my favorites from back in the day but I don't know if he needs to be doing this for much longer yeah no I'm with you on that but that, that's all we really got on John Wick we have a, a couple trailers to get into so yeah so so he, okay set the scene I haven't seen all of this all of this series but I'm sitting here waiting on the Game of Thrones season finale and I see Aaron Paul pop on the screen I'm like oh what you doing Aaron Paul and they go through this whole thing. I'm like, ooh, this looks pretty cool. And then who come, pops in at the end but Evan Rachel Wood. I'm like, whoa, Westworld season three. I need to watch this show. Okay, so season I, I, I watched all of season one. I'm halfway through season two. Halfway. So I'm guessing. I'm pretty sure I'm getting, I got exposed through the trailer. But nonetheless, I feel like the beginning of Westworld was them living in a – well, not, not a figure. It was. It was them living in a video game world of like a Western. The second it was a resort. Yeah, the second one's still dealing with that, and you see other worlds, but I'm pretty sure in this one she breaks free. So now we're going to see the real world actually be like a, we- a, a futuristic Western with Aaron Paul, and then we're going to see how, they, how, they, how she functions in our world. Yeah, and I'm super excited about that. Like That was the thing that kind of got me with Westworld after season one. I was like, man, we're still on this world. Like I thought we've gotten through this. Like I'm kind of done with all that. I wanted to see like the outside, and now well, we season finally... two actually had has a pretty good story. I just need to finish it. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, now it's getting to the outside. I'm like, I'm invested. I'm like, well, I'm going to run through season two because we're all like we've been saying so far in this episode. The next event television show, Westworld is on this HBO kick. Like, could this be the next? I wouldn't say the next big show, but I mean, like, could this carry the load while we wait for the next one? Uh, Westworld had a point where it had the pulse, but I mean, Game of Thrones was there, so now Game of Thrones is is not there. Could Westworld pick it up? It this. Let me just say this: season three would have to be like really, really good for it to do that. Not saying season two was bad, but just saying season three would have to be really great. But the thing is, they already got somebody from a, a, a legendary TV show. Like, like you said, when I saw Aaron Paul, I was like, wait, what? What, who is, what is he doing right now? Like, I was, I was like, oh, man, I need to check this out. And then when it was Westworld, I was like, oh, shit, okay. That's, That's what I'm saying. Like, it seems you. like they're completely changing. Well, no, I mean, it's not like they're changing anything. It's just this is a new kind of ele- a stage in this story. And now that Game of Thrones isn't there to kind of share the thunder, maybe this is going to be good for them. But, of course, you know, we got Watchmen and Euphoria and a lot of other things coming up on HBO. I think HBO's really killing it right now. No, yeah, but, HBO, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they move forward post-Game of Thrones. Uh, they got a lot of things coming up that seem really exciting. But the And and even on that, a lot of those premium TV shows are doing really well. You guys talked about that um, Wu-Tang documentary on Showtime. Showtime's got its own stretch of good content as well. 
See, I haven't seen the Showtime shows. I, I like, like you said, I go to Showtime more for the documentaries. But uh, American Gods on Star, I, mm, I know a lot of exactly. people talk about that show, but that show is great. Yeah, well, uh, let's go on to the next trailer. This is uh, Terminator. I don't remember the tagline. It's like Fate is- of the something. This is the the retcon of all the stuff that was terrible. So this is supposed to be right after Terminator Two. Yeah, T2. So this is kind of like their take on what Halloween did with bringing back uh, Sarah Connor, and then and having James Cameron pro- really produce and Tim Miller direct. Yeah, uh, I don't know about you, man, but I did not like this. See, I in at first I was like, all right, I'm kind of digging it. I was like, all right, I, I feel it in in. It's just Terminator, man. That like that's all it really is. Like, it's but I mean, in- here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that people don't really understand about the term Terminator. The what we loved about Terminator One and Two is that it wasn't this really fantastical thing. It was like we are in today's world. There's a being from the future that is coming to kill somebody. I mean, it was more of like a a time travel guy trying to assassinate somebody. Not this. Oh man, we got this apocalyptic waste world, and we're gonna. Uh, well, no, it's, it kind of seems. I'm not. Wait, you think it? Did it seem apocalyptic? Yes. Like, yes. It, it seemed like Walking Dead met <laughs> what, like, a western. Like it was. I don't know, man. I, I'm not. It into wasn't it. your vibe. See, not I, into it. I was fifty-fifty. I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. And then, like, after me saying Tim Miller just now on the thing, that kind of brought me into a different. Because I was like, dang, wait. Tim Miller did this, and yeah, I kind of want to see it because this is Tim Miller's first outing after not getting Deadpool too. Yeah, I mean it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I, I have a pro- I've, I honestly have a problem with not having John Connor in there. See, I think he Con- is in it. They, some people okay, say well, he is in it. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, I didn't see him, so that's what I'm saying. Like I'm. No, like, they didn't. You know, they so- didn't make a big deal about it. All right. Well, okay. That's fine. That's fine. But I mean, it's still. I mean, it's my. I'm not really dying to see this and it really wasn't something i was asking for either so it's not i guess it's not marketed towards me so if there's people Look, out there say, who are gabriel luna that, good for you uh ghost rider he looks pretty badass as the, as the new terminator i must say yeah yeah he does look pretty pretty badass as, as the new terminator i like yeah i like gabriel, gabriel luna as, as as the new terminator he looks pretty dope i'm that, that like and i and uh not so much sarah connor but the 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 human Terminator he's fighting, she looked pretty badass, too. Sure. I, I don't know. I, I feel like... Um, it's not your vibe. It's okay. It, it's just, it just seemed like too much. I, I couldn't really get behind any of that, especially because it's just so confusing. Like, I, think, I think what, what worked with Halloween was that I had never seen Halloween besides the original. Oh, see, okay, well then, let me let, let me say this, because I saw all those shitty-ass movies, and I, I felt the same way you did about Halloween, then, then about this, because I really did, and then it, and then when I heard that it was, uh, what's his name, our boy, what's up, what's, what's, what's the guy, he's bounding down, uh, oh, yeah, what, oh, man, I'm, his name's uh, McBride, Danny McBride, I was like, oh, so they're in the comedy, oh, what is this about to be, but then it turned out to be really good, so let me say that about Halloween, like, I had saw all those crappy Halloween movies, and yeah, I felt, so I, mean, I felt the same way. This movie definitely, or that, yeah, this movie definitely has potential. I'm just saying, like, just this initial trailer, it it didn't get me, didn't get, didn't get behind me. But I mean, it just could be something that I'm kind of just 
I'm, I, I guess I'm too much in space right now because I just watched three Star Trek movies. I mean, I've been talking about the Star Wars things for so long. I, I, well, I you've might been just on, you've uh, been on a sci-fi too much of a. I sci-fi might just be picture. on too much of a sci-fi kick, which you know this is kind of science fiction fantasy, but it's more of a Mad Max meets Walking Dead, in my opinion. Mm. All right, well, let's get to the next trailer. Uh, the next one is the Star Trek. Uh, it was to be for the CBS All Access series Picard. And this, you're gonna have to take it on this one because I, okay, I, I, I'm so not a big Star Trek off, guy, and I'm not a big Star Trek guy either. But I really enjoyed watching the three films, and I can't wait to watch some of the rest of them. And I have seen some of the series. It's hard to watch those old ones, so like I, the ones that I usually watch are the new, are the newer ones. Um, what is it Star Trek? Next Generation. Next Generation. That's what it's called. And so that, but that's the one with uh, Jean-Luc Picard. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so you're going to do a CBS Alexa show that's bringing back Picard. That's cool. And so it starts off with him, like, it seems like he owns, like, a vineyard now, like yeah, Picard uh, Vineyards. No, that's what he uh, that's what he left Starfleet Command back in the gap to do. Like, that's what his family did, I believe. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, so he's out there making some wine. I'm hoping that somebody tries to... To make some some money off that, I want I want to buy the the Picard wine, <laughs> and um, and yeah, I mean it's just a teaser trailer, so it's kind of just like exposition. Get me hype, on, yeah. You were away. Why were you away? Why do you want to be back? Sort of sort of deal like that. But you know, I have given Star Trek a lot of flack in the past, and I feel like based upon like the what I've watched of Star Trek and thinking about what they could do in a TV series based that's not so far back like with the first CBS Alexa show it just didn't it wasn't the same vibe because it was so far early in that history now you're gonna get like a character that everyone loves bring it back and kind of get like an even more futuristic Star Trek. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting, especially because it looks so well shot. And that was the biggest thing about those Star Trek movies. Is even though they're not well shot, they still the story still holds up. So I can only imagine if you bring in a good story with a well shot Star Trek, I'm like, dang, it's got to be pretty freaking good. But I could, but I could be wrong because I wasn't really that big a fan of all the J.J. Abrams ones. Wait, you didn't like the See, I like the I like the J.J. I like ones. the first one. I liked them all, man. I really. Uh, did. I think I. I don't. I think the one I couldn't get behind was the Benedict Cumberbatch one. Oh, the Khan one. I. I see. I like that one too, and I like the Idris Elba one. So. Well, it's hard. It's hard when you actually see after you actually see the the Khan stuff. Well, see, I, and like, I never saw that one. So. Yeah. So one. like, it, it it changes your perspective for real because like the way that they set up Khan is really cool and like, it's like imagine you were watching a tv show that you really loved and they are going to make a movie about it 10 years later but they're going to go back to season one and pick one of the your favorite episodes and bring back a character that was exiled it's like what you're gonna bring back that guy that's crazy and it's the same actor and everything and i'm like wow that's that's pretty smart i dig that for real? Well, I, I, got, I might have to check it out. So. I don't know, man. They got all they got. They got the first three Star Treks on Amazon Prime for free if you got Amazon Prime, and so I would recommend to check those out because you know I'm honestly I'm trying to trying to train to get in that inner geekdom. So I've been watching all the Star Trek movies, but yeah, they're pretty cool. And I can't wait to finish them all out. One hundred percent. The final trailer. This one was pretty exciting. 
Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we got the full trailer for the new Quentin Tarantino movie. What you thought? Uh, it's different. Well, and let me say this: at Con, he got nothing but standing ovations. People are I saying think this is gonna be good. The, people are saying this is best movie since Pulp Fiction. Like I'm loving the acting. See, I feel like this is this is him like really being like, all right, y'all want to say I can't do anything that's not super gory? Me doing my action kick. So, all right, here we go. Here's this film. Yeah, that's that's about what I feel about it. Like, I when I say it's different, it's exactly that. It's not saying that I feel like it's different in a bad way. It's just not what you think of when you think of Quentin Tarantino. We yeah, we thought like we were predicting when we first heard the story, like, oh, we're we gonna see like. The inglorious Manson murdering on, people. Yeah, like that, that, I mean, we didn't know. So, but this seems like a realistic take on what Hollywood was like back in the gap. So it's gonna be an interesting movie to see. I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say like I'm balls to the wall excited for it, but like Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Quentin Tarantino, I'm gonna be there. Margot Robbie. Exactly, Margot Robbie. I'm gonna be there night one. And that's not even all, man. Like they had what De Niro's in this. I think Pacino's um, in it. Or no, is Pacino is it Pacino and De Niro or is it just Pacino? I it's think it's just Pacino. Just, it's just Pacino. Yeah, I think it's just Pacino. Yeah, Pacino. Uh, some of the newer faces look really interesting, like Brad Pitt's girlfriend in that in the trailer. I don't really know who she is, but she, I, I really kind of liked her vibe from those few scenes that you got with her. And I kind of am interested to see what that dynamic's gonna be like. I want I want to know more about Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate, how that's going to play into the thing. It's There's a lot of pieces that are definitely interesting. And it's just so cool to see that Tarantino is trying something different. Luke Perry's in it. Dakota Fanning. Damian yeah, Lewis it. from Damian Lewis from uh, Billions. You got Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, Oliphant, Kurt, man. You got Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. You got uh, Michael Masden making a new period. Emil Hirsch. Like, is this star-studded? Lena Dunham's in it? Star-studded cast. James Mars? Well, no, I think James Marsden got cut, actually. Ooh, womp womp. Yeah, <laughs> he got cut. And then, our, and then the boy Scoot McNeary. I, I like him ever since he was in BBS. I try to look out for him, you know. But. <laughs> <Your> boy Scoot. <laughs> Scoot McNeary, bro. I, I like him. We thought he was going to be Green Lantern. From the extended cut. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out, no, he was in the regular cut. I'm not going to let you do that to him. He was a dude who was in the wheelchair that blew up. Yeah, no, no one wants to watch the non-extended cut. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. <laughs> but no, nah, man, this Quentin Tarantino film, excited for it. As more stuff gets released, we'll let you guys know. But Schubert, let's, let's get into the box office. Endgame is not on top, everyone. Well, I mean, I could have told you that. Well, yeah, I guess the excitement between behind the, that movie that's on top. But uh, starting from the bottom, A Dog's Journey, which I personally don't care for those kinds of movies but people do hey that's not my cup of tea at all it like the animal movies and religion movies i will never go watch those things yeah yeah i'm not really into those kinds of movies either but i mean <laughs> no. like hey if that's your thing then go for yeah, whatever, it I mean, if, whatever i'm sure i'm sure if, i know a lot of people who are like big time dog owners and dog like they love their dog and stuff like that and they were interested in this sort of thing i've never really had a dog before so i can't really uh, identify with all that so dog's journey number five uh, number four, the hustle, which was on here last week, and I said was all right. The twist, the twist, uh, caught me by surprise. It was, it was okay. But I mean, well, I'm not no, an Anne Hathaway fan, so <laughs> um, you always hate on Anne, bro. Bro, I mean, it's just I don't, don't like. It just I understand you're not a fan. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> yes. uh, Detective Pikachu number three, solid films, kids show, kids movie. I almost kind of want to see them do uh, more with this. Hopefully that I don't know if they want. I don't know if I want to see like Ryan Reynolds, Justice. No, no, Justice I want to see. Fan, new, new I want to see. I like. What I want to see more in the world. On, yeah, I like what Chris was pitching on Anime Talk. Getting more. What was he saying? He was like saying, now that you've seen it works. And now that you've seen how you can make Pokemon and you've seen how people respond to it, now you can take the, the loving of the game, like the actual Pokemon game, and maybe do like some a trainer or something. Like actually give us what a, the Pokemon story actually is. Not Ash Ketchum or anything like that, but give us a, a red or just a made up character like how you do in the game. And yeah, I mean, that, my thing with that is it's going to be really difficult because, you know, at, the, at its core, Pokemon's an anime. And. And there's just some episodes that have no, no, no have your I'm saying don't, anime tropes, and it's just like you know, and three uh-uh. episodes is one battle, you know. No, we're saying don't base it on the anime. No, don't base it on the anime. You're not. That's not with the. That's not what you. But you base it off the game. Yeah, like, I, I feel like, like you'd have to take your own liberties with the two, kind of like what they did with this movie, because uh, Rhyme City kind of I don't you know wasn't really a big thing in uh, the games or the TV show or anything. It kind of no, it was changed it was gonna, the whole vibe of. What a what a Pokemon world could be like. So they they I, adapted it from the Detective Pikachu game, it, it, the the game, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. Like that that's where Rhyme City and all that stuff comes from. And they just they took some liberties with it. That's why I think they could do like if they really wanted to, they could just do uh make the Pokemon movie. This kid gets his Pokemon. It's him going gym to gym and like or having like or having a face like a I don't know. Just but I mean that's just it take too long is what I'm saying. Like you can't. Unless you want to do a TV series. Or just have him fight one gym battle. Like, one gym, and make it, like, a big lead-up. That'd be bad. I'd dig it. I'd watch that. Yeah, I don't know how you would fit all that in there, but, you know, it's it's not something that has to be decided right away. I think no, they, they, they got something going here, so we'll see how it goes. But number two is Endgame. Still hanging strong. Passed I don't up, know it, how it, much. It passed up Avatar, huh? Oh, it has? I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it did. I'm pretty sure it did. I thought I saw that on the uh, on the news the other day. Let me see. I, I usually I usually get that kind of information when I'm you know watching some of my favorite podcasts and I'm kind of behind on all this, so I, I'm not caught up for all that information. Yeah, it beat it beat that it beat Avatar. It did. Yeah. Well, I mean that's no surprise. But but the thing that it didn't beat is Star Wars: The Force Awakens domestic uh, debut record. Yeah, of of nine hundred, nine hundred, whatever, nine hundred million or something like that. It's domestic. Yeah, world. I mean, I I think that was a special thing in itself. That I don't know, one hundred percent. I don't. I don't. The, see, the idea of bringing Star Wars back is so giant that I, I don't think that's going to get beat. Yeah, and and if any film could have did it, I thought it would be Endgame, but this just shows how how special that Star Wars record is. Yeah, and what's number one? Number one is John Wick. John Wick. <laughs> John Wick. Go, y'all go check that out. Like I said, it was a good movie. Not bad. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, thought it was definitely better than the second one. But with that being said, it's time for the movie on the rise. Schubert, what movie are you suggesting for people to check out or a TV show to check out this week? Yes. Yeah, so you guys know that I'm big on the reality TV shows and we just wrapped up. Well, I'm, you know, I'm in, in deep in The Bachelorette, which the one thing I will mention about about it that happened this week 
is uh, some of those dudes are absolutely nuts. Like one of the one of the dudes already said that he loves the chick like in the second episode, but he's like oh, he wild. He's wild, and those, those dudes yeah. are wild. And it's like it's like one of these things where like it's so when I watch The Bachelor, it's like oh yeah, The Bachelor. Like these girls are 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 hot, blah blah blah, all that. But then when I watch The Bachelorette, it's like. Dude, what are you doing? Like, why are you saying these things? You were such a liar. Like, stuff like that. Like, this is a totally different vibe for me. Uh, this is more like me lying. just becoming a con, uh, a commentator, just uh, trashing it the whole time. It's fun. Um, and then The Voice ended, and American Idol ended. So, what reality shows are coming up for the summer? Well, of course, the big summer reality show is America's Got Talent. And I know a lot of people aren't huge on America's Got Talent. I really enjoy watching America's Got Talent, usually because they have some really interesting acts that you're not going to see anywhere else. Uh, yeah, ever really... since they kicked my guy Nick Cannon off, I've been, been salty with AGT, but I, I like AGT too. Yeah, I'm, yeah, they had Tyra, and then Terry Crews did the most Terry recent Cruz. thing, Ooh. so I'm wondering if that's going to be the guy that does it this summer, or if it's going to be Tyra or Terry Crews. Yeah, whatever. I was just a little salty on the uh, my guy Nick Cannon, but nah, great show. I agree with you. The, the, yeah. the, the talent you can see on America's Got Talent is it's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, you see dudes playing, like, electric violin. I mean, you see some great comedians. You see these death-defying acts. Like, That's the, one thing I, the one thing I hate about America's Got Talent, honestly, is the singers. I'm like, I do not want to see singers on America's Got Talent. I'm sorry. I don't. <laughs> you don't want to see those, those people who come out and belt? In a, in well, the, I mean, if you're going to star. I mean, if you're going <laughs> I mean, to sing opera... Then that's that's something different. Like if you if you're just going on America's Got Talent because you don't feel like going on The Voice or America and Idol, then like forget you, man. Like I, I don't want to see you win. Because I mean, like this isn't a singing show. This is a talent show. Like I guess you're singing trying is. The, I'm you're trying to see, see the musicians win or somebody yes, else. Yes, dude. Yes, Shin Lim last year was awesome. Like he was one of the best magicians I have ever seen on that show. But anyway, so and then the other one that I want to uh, talk about is called Songland. And it's, this is uh, the first time that this is going to premiere. It's premiering next Tuesday. And it's songwriters compete for a chance to have their work selected by a major recording artist. And the way that it kind of works is that each episode is going to feature a major recording artist. And they're going to go through the process of how you create a hit song. And you're going to get to see the artist pick which song that he feels like they would put out and then it's going to be put out the next day oh that's interesting all right the thing that's going to make this show who's the who's the celebrities john legend's first episode oh okay that's big that's nice. uh, the jonas brothers are going to be on there but you know it's going to be some of your more popular artists for sure i mean it's not going to be scrubs as long like as long as it's the popular peeps but you know what i want to see one of these days but he'll never do that he would never it's it's beneath him my guy Drizzy. Like, imagine if Drake was on Songland. I'd watch that episode for sure. Yeah, I don't think he would do that because no, he's got his own never. ghost writers. Oh, but, look at you. You're, see, that's false. No, you're making you're making. I'm jokes. just I'm just playing, <laughs> dude. You know, I'm a Drake stan. You know, I'm excited <laughs> to see him back on the sideline for Game Six for Toronto. <laughs> it's a touchy subject because after that girl, that the owner's daughter will push his teachers. I'm glad they. I, I think they lost, but whatever. This isn't a basketball pod. Yeah, Toronto won, by the way. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah. Sports. Uh, but with, yeah. With the sports. <laughs> hey, if you want to check out our sports takes, you know, you can Ooh. check out Charles at Primetime or you can go to Bros Who Think. 
at the end of the show, we do Bros of Ball. It's pretty fun. Yeah, no, one. Go check that out. So but yeah, yeah anyway, those are my movies on the rise. 100%. Mine this week, of course, Brightburn. And I thought it was funny that somebody asked James Gunn a question at like one of the panels. He was like, they asked him, do you think DC is going to be mad at you for, for doing like anti-Superman? And he was like, he laughed. He was like, nah, man, like I have a great relationship with DC. And he was like, they've done many takes on the idea of this character forever. They're not mad. So um, I'm definitely going to be checking out Brightburn. Next week, you guys will have a, a review on what me and Schubert think of the movie. So that's my movie on the rise. Yeah, definitely a big couple weeks for movies with Brightburn, Aladdin. You know, we didn't do a review on Aladdin this time because we have this great interview coming up, and we have to talk about the Game of Thrones finale. Yeah. So, but we'll so we'll talk about Aladdin. We'll talk about Brightburn next week, and then the week after that, we can talk about Godzilla, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, I'm super excited about Godzilla as well. But like you said, let's get into Game of Thrones and finish up the first part of this podcast. Shuvi, look, man, they did not land that finale. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> here, call a spade a spade, bro. Like, and first off, can we, this is spoiler to everybody. who, If you want, listen to this podcast, if you're a first-time listener, I apologize. We are spoiling and, like, and if you don't want to listen to the spoilers, don't, don't even give them a countdown. You, you, you know what Game of Thrones is. Game of Thrones <laughs> is event television. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, then you don't watch Game of Thrones. Like, and, and if you and if you're catching up, then like you know, turn, pro- probably wait. Go and listen and to the Alberto interview. Yeah, Alberto interview. And if if you're trying to like watch it all up so that you can do that, because I have a friend who's doing that right now, and I've specifically told him like, okay, near the end of the podcast, do not listen to this part. Uh, because like I want, because I love hearing his takes. Like right now, he just got through the red wedding and he just got through uh, Joffrey's death, and I'm like, oh, dude, like oh, there's so much him. more to come. Yeah. <laughs> so just skip ahead in five, four, three, two, one. I had to calm him down, stupid. But bro, so you're telling me Bra- Brandon Stark is the king? Bro, yeah, that's trash. Bro, get the hell out! Of- I-, I-, I tried not to curse all this episode. But that's some that's some horse manure right there, bro. Like that is yeah. some big time horse manure. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm not even gonna disagree with you, man. I feel like it's a waste to have I'm with the Aaron story. Rogers. Yeah, man. I feel like it's it's you have so many you built up so many really crucial characters here, and the one character you probably built up the worst is gonna be the one that ends up on the Iron Throne. Give me a break. Like Aaron Rodgers was like when Tyrion said, Oh, who has a better story than Bran? Well, then he Everyone else. Up all the people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And then, like, the episode was basically them, like, just sitting around. Oh, yeah, let's pick democracy. And they did my boy Jon Snow. Funny. They did my boy Jon Snow dirty. Because, nah. no, no, Schubert, uh-uh. Those, those unsullied, all Sans had to do was cut off that homie's head, and it was done with. Or when they're gone, hey John, come back, come out, bro. <laughs> this is gonna pop out. He <laughs> didn't, didn't want to go back. You're never gonna see them again. You're never I, gonna see I, them again anyway. I mean, the show's over. But nah, she would be quiet. I'm telling you, you're never gonna see the unsullied again. So who cares what they like? What? But I agree with you because I told you this when we were texting because you were like they did. You were you were on the John. They did John Snow dirty. But I texted you that he, if you know his character, he really loves being with the wildlings and wants to be up north. But still, I wanted to see my guy John on the throne. But whatever, he's the Queen Slayer. Yeah, I mean, it's I I 
Man, the thing I was so iffy on, it was just like, man, I wish they would have built up their relationship between John and Daenerys so much oh, yeah, more the, before the we got this feel, season. Because yeah. it just didn't feel right to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that scene was great. I, starting from the beginning, you had some beautifully shot scenes. I think some of the things that didn't stand, that didn't come to par for me with this episode with that is, why is there so many Unsullied, number one? I thought they were mostly wiped out. And why are there so the many Doc Rocky? I thought yeah. they were mostly wiped out. Like, what the heck is going on with yeah. all that? So, uh, but well, you know, they have that really awesome shot. The the most probably the best shot in the show with yeah. Danny walking and Drogon's wings behind her. You have her giving her speech, uh, which was big, and you kind of start to see her give this turn because the whole idea was that she was going to come and get the Iron Throne, and that was always her goal. And you would think. That she would be okay with that. Nope, that's no, that's most she's trying to do. Now she wants more, and this is kind of what she's been building the entire way. Is just like, I'm always conquering lands. I've never, I've never content. Had peace. Yeah, no, no, no. That was her Hail Hitler speech, 100%. Pretty much. And then you get uh, Tyrion throwing his hand pin down the stairs. And, you know, if Daenerys was smart in here and wanted to try and, like, give some sympathy, she wouldn't have... It's been okay. Well, now you're gonna be put to death just because you disagree with me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, that just shows why she's even more mad. Yeah. Um, no. That means what? Like Tyrion, he knew that was coming to his ass. Like he knew. It was I thought coming. he was gonna die. I thought yeah. he was done. See, I, but see, I, was, I figured he was gonna live because I knew, I knew that he had to be around for the rebuild. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, see, what, yeah. Let me say this. This episode, when you go into this episode, there, at no point do you believe that Danny's coming out alive. No. And I think, I think that might be a problem. And I think that's why I didn't uh, feel that Tyrion was going to die. Well, I didn't think it was going to be that soon. Oh, okay. You thought it was going to happen at the end? Even though it wasn't really that soon. I think they kind of did so much with the, the beautiful shots that they could have, like, fast-forwarded a little bit. Because, I mean, like, I think that happened, like, halfway through the episode. And I'm like, what? We're halfway through the episode? Another thing is probably this episode should have been two hours, but you know whatever, whatever. I'm not I'm not gonna you know uh, hate on it. Crap, crap on uh, Benioff and Weiss right now because they had to do what they had to do. So whatever. Um, but anyway, I really loved the scenes between Tyrion and John in this episode, especially when Tyrion was first in prison. And Tyrion's like, you know, John, like you gotta kill her, like you know, you got to do it, man. And like, I'm thinking to myself, you're just trying to save your ass, dude. Because like, there ain't no way that I don't know when when she said Winterfell. I thought at that moment John was gonna be like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> like, you remember when she, in her in her Hitler speech when she was like, oh yeah, we got liber- we got liberate Dorne and Winterfell. And I was like, oh, well, John, how do you feel about them apples, bro? Yeah, I mean that's where I got kind of overboard, and that's what ultimately did it. Him when Tyrion was talking to him, was being like, you know, so do you think she's just going to be content with you holding this ability to take her throne? You think that Sansa and Arya are going to be okay with her being on the Iron Throne and her and having to take orders from her? You think? Do you think that she's going to let them live? That's kind of yeah. what ultimately did it for Jon Snow. Yeah, but, he had to. He had to do what he had to do. Yeah, and I thought he. I, I thought maybe Drogon was going to try and hit him with the. Hit him with the fire, but he ends up. I, I wanted that so bad. Like I wanted to see John. At least, if you're gonna bring him back to the to the Night's Watch, at least prove that he's a Targaryen to me one time in the show. Like why 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 does it matter? 
Like, uh, like make it mad. Like, let that dragon try to burn him and him walk through it. And then the dragon take Daenerys and leave. Like, I, I don't care about, oh, he killed what killed his mommy. No, bro. That's corny. That's, that's big corny. Uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like that was kind of a little bit corny, too, because it's like, okay, yeah, so this dragon's so so smart that he knows the entirety of the situation. I don't know. I don't, I don't believe that. But, uh, yeah, that was a cool shot. Oh, yeah, one of these things that was like, oh, cool shot, cool shot. But, I mean, was that really uh, necessary? No, that was not. That was not. Like, he, that, that, that was just like a, a, a little nod, like, oh, yeah, the dragon killed but killed his mom. No, bro, that was, that was corny. He should have shot. He should have shot fire at Jon Snow. That's what should have happened. And then when and he they, saw Jon Snow walk through it, he would have been like, "Oh!" And then he just takes his and leaves. That would be so much better. I'd be like, "Oh shit!" Let me not mess with him. <laughs> yeah, and about that too. Like, why? Why is the Unsullied going to take him prisoner? Why didn't they just kill him? Yeah, the whole that's what I, like I talked about it from the other side. But the Unsullied should have just said, "F y'all." I'm ki-. like, why is he in the prison anyway? They should have killed him right on spot. Yeah, they should have just killed him right away. Like, exactly. and, and, like, and what, what did John do? You walk out there and be like, yeah, guys, you know, I killed her. Exactly. I would just said Drogo and took her out of life. I would have just left. I would just left to be like, oh, I don't know where she is. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. I don't know. You saw, you saw Drogo and flew off. What? I don't know what she's doing. She's crazy. <laughs> like, that's all you yeah, had dude. to say. That's all you had to say. But uh, the other thing that Tyrion mentions as well is the whole thing about uh, tyrants. And that, and it was you know Danny wanting to to build her own world, and who was right in this, and what is right, and and all and all of that conversations. And I really liked kind of thinking about all that, where you through different perspectives, and that's kind of the way that the fan base worked too, is through people whose perspective was that Danny should be on the throne. They're upset. Yeah. People who thought that John should be on the throne, they're upset. People who uh, yeah, thought that neither of them should be on the throne are very satisfied. The people so, who thought Sansa should be on the throne, they're kind of happy. It's all about who, what you think is right. And I think that, you know, some of the things that Danny thought were right were probably weren't right. And some of the, and, you know, maybe John would have probably been the best king, but he didn't want it. And, uh, you know, that's just the way it went. But let's go ahead and get to Tyrion coming before the council of everyone who's left. Best part of that whole scene was when Sansa's uncle stood up like a uh, dummy and was like, oh, yeah, I'll be king. Sansa was like, bro, if you don't sit your ass down. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, dude, that, no. That was my favorite part. of That might have been my favorite part of the episode, like low-key. Because it was just like, all right, I, I like it, Sophie Turner. I'm rock. That was like, the, I was like, I'm with Sansa. I'm with Sansa. Like, she won me over, like, right there. Like, like, that was when I was like, oh, she should be queen. Like, better than Brandon Stark. Yeah, Jesus. the one... The- one quick, quick mention of that scene, we got another um, film spoof where we had the, so water, the water bottle, bottle. popping. Yeah. Oh, and you saw I the mean, homie who was sucking his mom, who was sucking his thumb and on his mama titty? Yeah, dude. What, <laughs> what a glow swab. up, huh? Yeah, he blew up, bro. Shout out to that guy. Shout out to, to what is it, John Aaron? It got the glow up. Like, I remember so many people the next day were like, oh, man, John Aaron got hot. Uh, and like, and people the, were like, oh, man, look at that, what that titty milk does. Exactly. It's like well, I want to know what happened to him. And then uh, shout out to uh, the Prince of Dorne looking suave too. Like what? What? There, that goes back into my thing of just like there was so much that just like we just left on the cutting room floor, because like all these storylines are just not even closed now. I'll never know what happened to Titty Milk guy. 
I'll never know what happened to the Prince of Dorne and why, why those, like, do, you, do we not remember that those Dornish assassins, like, got killed and, like, there was a big thing that there was a woman who was going to try to help to kill Cersei? Like, what happened to all that? That's done? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the stuff that never really got uh, finalized. And, I, and, then, and then Theon's sister trying to be there, like, oh, I supported Danny. Shut up! You weren't even there for the battles. Battle, yeah, shut like, up. Get out of here. Like, you were supposed to be there. Wait, you got captured. You go home. Why didn't you kill Euron Greyjoy, you exactly. fool? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, know. so forget you. Um, yeah, man. Tyrion with coming up with Bran the Broken, I thought that was dumb, man. I thought that was hilarious. I was just like... It's like it was Bran pretty funny, gonna, though. Like, if he's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm Bran the Broken. Like, what? You don't, and, you don't want to change your name? And here's where I kind of fall in, in line with some of the Aaron Rodgers quotes. Is So this guy's going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, this is why I've come down here. I'm thinking that he's got motives. Like, <laughs> why is he telling John? Oh yeah, you're a Targaryen, John. You should. You have a claim to the throne. John. See, wait, wait. That point right there. I saw someone take some like film edits and like change the series. Like, they should have made him the Night King if they were gonna do all this. Like, imagine if you would have just saw him walk up with like at one point that have blue eyes and be like, oh yeah, I planned all this. That would have. That you know what? That might have made season eight like. Everybody who thought season eight was bad, that might have just flipped it on his head just right there. I might, I might have been like, yo, this is crazy. This is wild. But what I'm saying is, is like, if this is supposed to be your just king or whatever, like, I'm pretty sure that he pretty much planned this entire thing. Like, that's what it, I've got to think is that the three IA Raven was like, oh, well, I know that this is going to happen. So I'm just going to, like, tell you this, 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 and this so that I can make sure that you kill this person, this person, this person, and that you get sent off to the north so that I can take the throne. Yeah. That, and that, what does the three IA Raven need with the throne? Nothing. Like he, nothing. His, his purpose was he didn't want it because he's like he hasn't like his purpose was the night king. Now he has. And, and we'll get we'll get to his first act as king later. But I mean, come on, dude. Okay, so like I'm just kind of bummed because that was literally the storyline that I thought was the weakest. The entire show is the brand storyline. I was like, man, I don't care about this dude walking around doing whatever. Vegas, Vegas had him winning it. I'm sure they had it leaked. They had to have had it leaked. There's no you way. Think? Yeah, and they had it gonna... last year. That's what I'm thinking. Like someone had it leaked. There's no way that someone was actually like watching the show and been like, "Oh yeah, I think yeah, I'm pretty sure that Bran's gonna be on the throne at the end of this." Like, no one thought that. I'm gonna go re- wait. Speaking on that, I'm gonna go rewatch Game of Thrones and and, and look at it. With oh, the me eyes too. Of, of what I like and see if they they had like hints of that. Because when I first watched it, I didn't get no hints of that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't get any idea that like, this guy was going to have... I didn't think that he had any bigger purpose than with the White Walkers. Exactly. And, like, Azor's eye, so was John only brought back to life to kill Danny? Exactly. Like, what, yeah, what was the point of bringing back John if he's not going to have any anything more to do than to kill Daenerys? Like, Especially since he didn't kill the Night King. Exactly. Exactly. So, and, I don't know, know. And, and then the other thing that everyone's been arguing that I completely agree with is, so we're going to set up Arya being this face changer, and she doesn't even use it. Yeah, like for a, sec- my- for a second, I, I thought that, that she was. I th- for a second, I thought she was John. When hey, I saw when I first saw her, the, the Danny gets out, I was like, "Wait, is this gonna be Arya right now?" I don't like it, but then I mean, John would have been dead. But or maybe Ar- I mean, would have been Arya would have been dead probably because Drogon probably would have burned. Oh her. yeah, yeah, maybe. Ooh man, I don't. But I just don't know, man. I don't, I don't like how they ended. You want to get to Bran's first act as king and finish this up? Yeah, let's go to like kind of where they start tying up storylines. My favorite scene in this episode was Tyrion 
pushing the chairs in and then everyone coming in and doing the meeting. I thought that was hilarious. Just to see that this is the council we have now. We have Tyrion as the hand. The guy who's in charge of the money is Braun. Yeah, like his ass. His <laughs> ass. And he wants to bring back all the brothels. I'm like, yeah, Braun, I love you, bro. And then um, the master of the armies is Brienne, which is great. Good justice for her. And I also did like, I did enjoy the scene where she's filling in Jamie's story. Wait, no, no. She, I, I thought they didn't have a master war. I thought she's just the head of the, uh, the knights, uh, whatever. The no, they don't have a master of war. She's in charge of the soldiers. Yeah, she's she's the she's the head of the the golden knights that watch the uh, queen or watch the king or whatever. Sure. Yeah. She, she's she's she has Jamie's old job. Yeah, you guys know what I mean. Yeah. And um, uh, who's the uh, who's the other guys on there? You have Samuel Sir Davos, yeah. of course, master of ships. Yep. And uh, Samuel, yeah, the grand maester. So good for Samuel that he gets to be the grand maester to the king. I felt like, I felt like, damn, Sir Davos, you left your boy John, but I guess he's like, I'll stay. Yeah, he's got to help his boy Tyrion. Yeah, yeah. Who's pretty much the king. Low key, because Brandon Stark's warging to find dragons. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go find this dragon. You guys can just do this meeting. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, get out of (laughs) here. Tyrion's the king. And then they had the, the scene where we see what all the Stark children are doing. Sansa's getting coronated. Oh, are you going? That was west? a great scene. And then John's going back to the free people. And the one thing I saw that someone did on Facebook that I almost kind of wish was done with some of the other characters that we didn't get to see in those final flashes is the thing where it gives you the little thing of what they do. You want the John Hughes thing? The John Hughes thing, but not for like all of the main characters. But I'm like, you know, you could have been like, uh, the Greyjoy chick goes off and blah blah blah, like. I don't know. I just want. <laughs> I, I wanted some some loose ends tied up, and I thought that was the only way you could. You probably could have gotten that done at the end. No, I'm with you. This makes me just. If George R. R. Martin comes out with his final book, I'm reading Game of Thrones. Like, I'm reading 100%. it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like I'm just. I'm waiting on him. Ball's in his court. Like if he's not dropping that book, I'm not reading that six hundred. Pa- them six hundred pages each of the, each book. Uh uh-uh. uh. No sir. Mm-hmm. But if he drops that final book, oh, he got me. I'm there. For sure. Yeah. Um. And I, I, you know, I, I really like, like we said earlier on, that I really like the kind of how it ended for John, being with his friend and yeah, he getting went to back be to the, out, he went being, back to the being, homeland of the of his wife. Like, let's not forget, John had a girl before. Like, as much as like he's like, oh yeah, I love Daenerys. Well, what about what about that redhead wildling girl? That was his lady. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and she used to always tell him that there's wildling in you and even Tormund used to be like you're you're just as much a wildling as me Jon Snow you know kind of stuff like that he was always it was it was it was the right way thing for him to do yeah so it, it, I mean I guess what else I'm not I'm not as mad at oh it. and also are we gonna not talk about how Gendry kind of has a stake to the throne and he didn't even mention it uh, well she were, I mean look <laughs> Brand, Brand, who has a better claim to the, who has a better story than Brandon Stark? Oh, Brand the Broken. <laughs> Brand the Broken. Carried well, around yeah. by Hodor the whole time. Yo, Hodor's like, this is why I held the door. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, real MVP in all this is Hodor. Like, like, 100%. Dude needs a statue. <laughs> he, he's the reason why Brand, Brandon Stark's king right now. Exactly. If Brand doesn't honor Hodor in some way or like have, you know, National Hodor Day in Westeros, like, you know, he's doing it wrong. Yeah, no, 100%. But that's all we really got on Game of Thrones, huh? Yeah, um, it's uh, it's over now. Yeah, it's over with. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Like, good, good, good seven years. 
Like, I'm not gonna um, for, for the for the haters out there, no, this is not um, make me feel scared about what Benioff and Weiss are going to do with Star Wars. I'm still pretty confident that they're going to do pretty well, especially if they do more ad- adaptation out of uh, old old Republic stories because there's plenty plenty there to choose from. See, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that just now. I didn't put this on the notes. Because I didn't know how credible this was, but oh, Buzz that BuzzFeed thing. Yeah, what, what, what you think about uh, that? I mean, it, this goes into kind of our interview too. If if I'm not hearing this from like the rap or Variety or anything like that, then I'm not holding. holding that's it why I didn't. Put, that's why right I didn't now. put it. Yeah, that's why I didn't put it on the notes. Exactly why. Okay. Well, good yeah, thing. Yeah, but but, but uh, I, I would be interested to see that chick, uh, the lady who did Alita. She was supposed to be the. The, the scribe for these screenplays uh, for Knights of the Old Republic. But what confused me about that is that D.B., Benioff, and Weiss are supposed to be coming in and writing and directing a Star Wars trilogy, then why are they bringing in another screenwriter? Hmm. Maybe make sure that script good. Maybe they just better... I don't know, fam. I don't know. See, that, that's where I just don't really feel like this is a real story. Yeah, and then from what we and, talked and about... He, and then from what we talked about with Umberto, it's like, no, bro, like... That, uh, yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I'm with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait to see on that, but it, it is an exciting name in movies right now. I can't really pronounce it, but you know, she's she's a pretty prominent writer and creator in in the in the movie movie TV world right now. So I'd be interested to see what she has to do. Uh, when I first saw that story, I actually got worried that it was going to be she was going to more ad- adapt the video game Knights of the Old Republic into a film, and Benioff and Weiss were going to do something in that genre, but n- or not genre, but time period that had nothing to do with the game. Ooh, see, that's interesting. The, let's talk about this more when we find more information about Benioff and Weiss's film, because I and Weiss are going back, and they're going to do the OG. Uh, I feel like they're going to do the freaking... Uh, first Jedi. Something like that. Really early on. Yeah. It may not have anything to do with that video game. But yeah, there are some books that I think they could adapt from. I really want to see them do Darth Bane. I, I, I doubt that's going to be in there. I have but some that's form what I would absolutely love. Yeah. Darth Bane. And I even want to see some Plagueis stuff, which it doesn't really fit that time period. But like, if uh, Disney Plus, if you're listening to this, which I doubt you are, uh, if you wanted to throw in some Darth Plagueis, that would be pretty dope. Yeah, so, but without further ado, Shuby, let's get into the main discussion this week. This week, we have an interview with you, like we said, from with the ace scooper himself, Umberto, Umberto Gonzalez, a.k.a. El Mayembe, from The Rap. Super, super excited for you guys to hear that. So, without further ado, let's get into the interview with... Umberto. Hello, bros who binge fans. Now, look, for discussion today, we have something super, super exciting for you guys. You all know every time we're doing a story, we're either present, we are either like, we got this story from Umberto Gonzalez at the rap, the ace scooper. We got it from Justin Kroll, Daniel RPK. You guys know how much we love the ace scooper on this podcast. And I'm super, super excited to say we have the ace scooper as a guest today, Mr. Umberto Gonzalez. How are you doing, sir? Uh, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Very nice to be on. Oh, thank you for coming on. It, it's super exciting for us because, like I said, every time we're doing a DC scoop, a Marvel scoop, a Star Wars scoop, we're saying from Umberto Gonzalez at The Rap, and I've been following you since even before you were at The Rap at Latino Review, back in the old days, and then when you were Heroic yeah. Hollywood, 
So, like, we have been fans of you for a long time. Oh, thank you. It's very kind and sweet. It's very humbling to hear that. Uh, ain't no thing. So, fir- the first question we have to ask you is because this is something that when me and my co-host Schubert were talking off air, it's like, I don't know how you how you get into this business. For those who don't know, how do you what got you into the scoop business and how did you get into it? Uh, basically, I used uh, like about almost twenty years ago. Uh, websites like Anical News, Coming Soon, Joe Blow, started popping up everywhere, and they started getting attention for breaking scoops uh, away from Hollywood trades. But back in those days, they were. You know, websites were largely ignored altogether, no matter how much they broke, because the Hollywood trade establishment wouldn't show them any love, quite frankly. So I was a big fanboy. I mean, before superhero hype existed, there was a site called Spider-Man Hype. That's how old school this stuff is. So basically, I used to watch read these sites like a rabid fanboy multiple times a day and uh you would hear there was another site called corona's coming attractions another site named dark horizons uh there was uh what's, what else there was, there was it's like the early days of the internet the late 90s so it's just something as i you know i i look to these guys as a hobby so i have a production background like i went to film school graduated and like literally started working on music videos and commercials and movies in new york city like in the late 90s so then I met a director like in 2000 and uh, we started working together and he made a movie called Empire that starred John Leguizamo. So he shot that in October 2000. So what happened was uh, he cut to uh, like a year or two later when the movies, you know, movie went to Sundance, got sold and then now it's getting ready to be released in November of 2002. is like, bro, why don't you come out to Hollywood with me and, uh, and uh, we'll, f- we'll figure out something for you to do, like you can work for me or my company or whatnot. So we came on November 6, 2000. I remember the day, November 6, 2000. He asked me on a Saturday. And on that following Tuesday, I just, I, I stopped what I was doing. I broke out with him. I packed the bag. I left for, we left for, uh, we left JFK to come to LAX. And there was a car waiting for us. And it took us to the premiere of Eminem's 8 Mile in Westwood. Westwood. So it's my very first Hollywood premiere, and and it's like I'm, you know, I'm like, oh my, I'm in my late twenties, and it's cool because the trailer for my boys' movie was going to be in front of Eminem's movie. Eminem's movie opened obviously to number one, and since it was a Universal movie, uh, Empire's trailer was playing on all the prints that had Eminem, the the Eight Mile movie attached. So basically. I met a lot. So basically, in other words, I had an entourage type lifestyle. I was like, that's what I was about to say, yeah. a Vinny Chase style, style uh, scene right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what happened was, uh, yeah, so I was literally like the Latin version of E. I was the buffer between the agency, the, <laughs> the, the studio, the publicity, all that. I was literally like E, but I worked for a director. So it was cool. So back in those days, I met a lot of people. I met a lot of assistants who are now some of the sitting power in Hollywood. So this is like early 2002, 2003. So basically, I, and I was still I was still like reading these websites. So then I started meeting people. And then I started leaking information to a guy named Lobo who used to write for Anacol News. And then uh, one day, uh, the very first picture on the homepage of Any Cool News, it was a ho- picture of uh, Toby Maguire 
Tobey Maguire chasing the bus in the first Spider-Man movie. They shot that in Forest Hills, Queens. So on the front page of Anico News, first look at uh, something along the lines like first look at Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man. And it was talking about the site called Latino Review. So this guy, Kelvin, went to pick up his kids from school because he lived in the area like around Forest Hills. They took and he happened to stumble upon the production of that. He took that picture and then he went and got it online. And then, uh, so I found out about Latino Review from Anico News. Then I, then I started reading Latino Review, and then I, uh, I started sending Kelvin my stuff. And then uh, he's like, "You from Queens?" I go, "Yeah, I'm from Queens too." So he's from Queens. I'm from Queens. He's from Regal Park. I'm from Flushing. When I came back to New York for like the holidays, we hooked up, and then I started sending him stuff. We started working together, and then the rest is history, as they say. Wow, that's crazy! Like. Yeah. Uh, it, it's almost like right when you got off the plane, just right into it. Like it was like literally an LAX. It was literally an episode from Entourage. So basically, yeah. it was, there was this assistant at an agency that I used to work with, and he passed away like a couple of years ago. Uh, but he gave one day he calls me up and he's like, "Bro, I got this. I mean, this is this is how old school is." He's like, "I got this VHS tape of a pilot called Entourage. It reminds me of you and your boys because it's about these guys in Queens. <laughs> you might like it." So he sent me the script and he sent me the pilot script, which I still have to this day. I have the VHS tape in storage somewhere in New York. And, uh, and I fell in love with the show. Now, what aired, what I saw and what HBO aired ultimately in 2004 when the pilot finally aired was somewhat different. So, I, so it's like a collector's item. So I, you know, so I, had to sc- I tracked the entourage development and it became my favorite show because I could say I, I did that, I did that, I did that. So that's why the show took a hit. I mean, the show was very personal to me because it's like I lived that. You know? That's yeah, so, crazy. So crazy, yeah. Back back at that time, it was very much like living in the entourage time. But let's fast forward to now, working with the rap and doing film journalism. Now, what's kind of what's it like to be in that world? Is it really busy? Like really a, a hustle bustle? Got to be the first one. Basically, I didn't go to journalism school. That's the irony, but neither did my executive editor, the guy who runs the app. So basically, uh, what happened, like, basically, I left Latino, like, I was with Latino for a long time. And then uh, one day, uh, I got cancer like six years ago, like in 2013. And I beat it. I'm cancer free. I'm good. And, uh, but it, you know, congratulations. Thanks. It made me, uh, and I wrote an article about it. And believe it or not, like, the biggest, like the story, I've broken a lot of scoops of literature, but the story that got the most traffic for a long time was when I told the world that I had cancer. And I, was trying I remember to when you dropped that. Yeah, so it was the, like one of the biggest stories in the history of the site, bigger than most scoops I've ever broken. So I was like, wow, personal story. Who would have known? So what happened was uh, I had cancer removal surgery. I launched. I left Latino Review. We sold the site. I used the money to launch Heroic Hollywood. I'm running Heroic Hollywood for like a year, and then I get an email from the executive editor because uh there was a guy who used to work there before me they they let him go so they reached out to me he's like look you're good with scoops you're good with getting superhero stuff would you be interested in coming to work for us so they, i thought it was a joke at first like you know so it's like i didn't think trade life was impossible so i ignored it so then the managing editor uh there's two editors the managing editor emailed me like a week later and it's like hey we're big fans we'd love to sit down and talk to you so i said you know what let me uh why not let me go take a meeting can't hurt because i was a big fan of sharon waxman i read her book back in the day called rebels on the back lot about uh the independent film scene with quentin tarantino paul thomas anderson so sharon wrote the hell out of that book and i've been a fan so you know 
I go into the I go interview with these guys and I'm like, yeah, I got my own site, you know. So it's like if I could run, you know, I, I love to work with you guys, but I got a business and, you know, I, you know, I don't want to like shut the site down. I just launched a year ago. So it's like, you let me do both. We could do this. So the way it works is like, I break a scoop at the wrap. I could literally publish it on heroic Hollywood or my writers could publish it like at the same time or a minute later, but usually like him the heads up. So basically I met with the executive editor. He liked me Then I met the managing editor. He liked me. My executive editor is a huge fanboy. Like he's a guy that goes, he still goes to comic book stores like I do. So that's why we get along so well. So he's like a legit fanboy. So then I met him, then I met the managing editor, then I finally meet Sharon Waxman. And the meeting was like five minutes. He's like, I know who you are. I read all your press. You're great at what you do. I love you to work here. You can run your business at the same time. This is what I'm offering you. Because uh, she's always on the move and stuff. I'm like, wow. Overall, all right, cool. I'll take it. It was a generous offer. I took it. And then I started at The Wrap August 1st, 2016. And I never said this before publicly, but it's the first time in my whole life that I had a panic attack because next thing you know, it's August 1st, I'm inside the rap. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like, this is like, it's like getting called up from the minors. To yeah. Go yeah. You know, it's like, it's your time. It's your shot. The, it's the yeah, big show. It's like Vic. It's like you're a giant fan. Like Victor, uh, Victor Cruz. He gets, yeah. Called, you know, he walks onto the team and it gets caught. And then, you know, he, get, he makes the team and stuff. So I'm at the rap. I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do here. You know, it's like, I gotta, you know, I gotta, now I gotta be more consistent, break scoops. So it's like, okay, I'm just going to do what it is I do best. So the weekend before I started, I was at a party. I got a tip. So then I went to the staff meeting at the wrap that Monday morning. I made my pitch. This is what I have. Sharon wanted the story. So I broke my first scoop at the wrap 48 hours. And I set a record. 48 hours after starting the job, I broke my first scoop. And it got picked up by all the trades. So that made quite an impression to Sharon and, and my editors and stuff. So I said to myself, okay. I think I'm going to be all right. It's a great job. It's a great gig. The access that trade reporters have is incredible. Like there's two sides. There's corporate publicity. Then there's consumer facing publicity, which is what the small, like the, the fan sites, like the, the horror Hollywoods, the comic books, the colliders, the coming soons of the, the Joe blows of the world. So it's two different sides. So I now work with both of them. Like basically I work with corp comms, but then I work with their other publishers on my site as well. So it's win, win. So, but the rap is, it's an incredible experience. I go to premieres all the time. I'm going to premiere of Aladdin tomorrow. The access is incredible. Calls get returned. Um, but at first it was like, I had to, I literally, it's basically journalism school for me. Like a lot of I work with a lot of kids that went to USC journalism school. Beatrice sits next to me. She got her master's in journalism. So she basically taught me how to like, how does it work at the, cause she was there like a year before me. So how do we work at the rap? How do we break stories? How do we confirm them? Like I had a bunch of scoops ready to go. No, no, you can't run those yet. You got to get confirmation. And I already got confirmation, you know, but you got to get it from the studio and this and that, and this is how you write. And this is how we put this together. So it was a learning process, like everything, but I did what it is I do best. I go out and meet people and get information and just kept it coming. And, yeah, I've been there. It'll be three. Yeah, it'll be when I start. I'll finish my. Yeah, I start my fourth year in August. Actually, this coming August will be the start of my fourth year at the Rap, and I'm happy. It's a great place to work. It's a chill place to work. Um, I I have a lot of fun. It's close. I mean, I move. I just moved recently to Venice, so to be closer to the job. So I get to to and from work in like 10 minutes in traffic. So, but it's a great place to work, you know, it's a, and I, but basically the truth is I went to work at the rap to learn how to scale heroic Hollywood. So the rap was doing significant numbers. So I learned their back end. 
basically how they built the site so I could learn the lessons and build my site. And basically, I we've tripled our traffic, uh, not only at the rap, but on Heroic Hollywood as well. So everything I learned from the rap, I apply it to Heroic Hollywood and I teach my guys. So the learning experience has been invaluable to me. It's been like my real life, the school of hard knocks, basically. I go, to, I go there and learn what I need to learn and then just be competitive. So I got to compete with Justin and Boris and like Fleming and all that. So it's interesting. We were all together discussing Batman at uh, the uh, at the uh, Godzilla premiere. So it was just it was pretty interesting and whatnot. But yeah, no, it's it's a great gig. I can't complain, man. Life is good. We will get to because I can't I can't just let you bring up Batman and then not talk about. It. But we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. And the Godzilla that, premiere, though. Yeah, we'll we'll get, we'll get to all that in a little bit. But it, it's interesting you say you had to learn how to do scoops because I remember I, I would watch your lives and and we could get rumors and stuff and you and you had to slow it down to get the confirmations and stuff. So I I remember when you made that transition. But talk about how important it was having your own platform and creating Heroic Hollywood to get you right. to that that space when you didn't have. You, there wasn't an outlet for you, so you made one for yourself until you were able to be called up to the big leagues. Like, the thing is, I was, I mean, the only regret I have in my life is that I didn't start Heroic Hollywood sooner. But uh, basically, like, I knew, like, when I saw, Iron, like, I tracked Iron Man, and then I started seeing how Marvel was doing so well. I always believed, like, I tracked superhero movies before it became fashionable like it is now. Back in the days, in the early days, like 15 years ago, there'd be maybe one superhero story a week or maybe a month if you were lucky. Like, I remember breaking the director of the first Fantastic Four movie, Tim Story, back in the days, like in 04. And that was, like, considered my first legit big scoop. And they, you know, so it's one of my favorites because it's what set it off for me. But, uh... What happened was I didn't like, it was necessity basically like I didn't have anywhere else to go so it's like I might as well launch this thing but when DC made their announcement at the investor call remember back in like a couple of years ago when Sujihara said he was going to do all these superhero movies yeah, that's yeah. when I we were entering the heroic age of Hollywood with superhero movies I, I just knew it was an instinctual thing so I registered a domain it's like let me try this you know we're not in Hollywood's heroic era and that's when I was thinking of a website for the longest so like, that's it Heroic Hollywood, because I wanted something like studying THR and Deadline Hollywood. Two of the three trades had Hollywood in in their uh, in in their title in the URLs, and that's a that's a keyword that ranks high. So basically, I just said Heroic Hollywood, and thank God it was all available. The internet, I mean, excuse me, the the domain, the Twitter, the Instagram, the my, the the Facebook, they were all available. It was amazing. So I was very lucky. I uh, I found some contractors overseas to build the site. And on June 1st, 2015, oh my God, our four-year anniversary is next month. We, I just went to work. Basically, I was just doing what I did. At, you know, I doing what I did at, at you know, just doing scoops, and I did it furiously. We lost, you know, we had. I had a lot of attention. Like I got a lot of. I had no public. I didn't have a publicist or anything. But people, when I we made an announcement in Forbes, and then uh, Holly, uh, what you call it, Variety came wanted to do a story on me, and then the Washington Post, and then Grantland came around too and it's like oh my god so i was getting all this attention for launching this website like when you work on the internet you don't know the kind of impact you have on people you don't feel it. you don't see it because you're online and yeah you could you could have a big following or that but in the real like when you step away from the computer you don't know what kind of effect you're having on people so i was i worked like in a bubble of sorts i didn't know that i even had this reputation or and i say it's very humbly i didn't know that 
I had this kind of reach. So basically, I had, Heroic Holly was a big risk. But uh, basically, um, yeah, no, it, it worked out. Uh, the site started generating traffic and revenue and stuff. And I thought, okay, I, w- I think we're going to be okay. So I just started scaling the site. We started on Squarespace and we migrated to WordPress. And then, one, like I said, one of the reasons I joined the rap was to learn how to scale it even more, how to get to like seven-figure, even eight-figure territory. So it's been invaluable. But I think it's important because I've always been an entrepreneur. Like my father's an entrepreneur. He wanted me to have my own business. So I didn't. I had no choice when I left Platino Review because I didn't get along with the the, the new owners. I, I thought their strategy was a disaster. They didn't know what they were doing. So I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stick around for this. I got out of there. And then, uh, yeah, used basically, like I said, use the proceeds from the sale of Latino review to launch Heroic Hollywood and pretty much tripled the investment within, within, within the first 30 days of launching the site, quite frankly. And then, Jeez. uh, yeah, 240% return on initial investment. So then I just started saving and then started reinvesting in the site and, and uh, make, you know, like invest, like a lot of guys, there's a lot of websites out there, but they don't, they don't do the stuff that they're supposed to be doing, like their back end or their proper SEO or like getting rid of errors or, you know, it, or, or being in compliance with Google. There's a lot you have to do besides break scoops because there's a lot of guys out there that now think they break scoops or rumors or whatnot, but they have absolutely no traffic is because they're not complying with Google or they're not taking care of, they're not taking care of their car basically for for a better now so guys who don't know what i'm talking about so it's like if you take care of your car and you keep upgrading it and putting hot tires and rims and fixing the carburetor the engine all that it's going to run well same thing with websites you invest in a website and you invest in being up to code with all the google algorithm changes and all the seo changes and being you'll be okay and a lot of guys don't do that but i do so i'm always like researching and doing stuff with the website and and trying to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely surprised. And so, so I didn't know, you know, I just didn't know the kind of reach out until I went out and did it. So that being said, like I said, I just wished I launched it much sooner, but I came in, I came, I did it at the right time when it needed to be done. So yeah, DC did their thing. Marvel did their thing. So I, then Sony did their thing. So universal had comic book IP, Neil's Lionsgate, Paramount has IP, like they had the Hasbro thing. So the timing was perfect. And now superheroes king, you know, Avengers Endgame is taking over. Marvel's taking over the world, 20 billion in box office. It's it's an amazing time to be a fanboy right now, man. So it's like, I just, like, as a fan, it's just amazing to see the progress of the MCU. It really is, you know, and how far they've come and how every movie, it's like, you know what it's like to make 22 movies and not have one of them fail? That's insane. Yeah. I never yeah. I've never seen a track record like that. It's never been seen in movies before, ever. No, so. it's true, man. It, it feels like an actual, like I, I, I say this all the time, it feels like they actually made a comic book full arc, told 22, like 22 issues, and we close it out with the big crisis or the big, you know, the, the big event uh, comic at the end, and they, they really did it that way. It's, it's crazy to see. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So it, it's just... It's a good time, man. and it's like I just—I'm a very lucky guy. I just had the things at the right, being at the right place at the right time. I had a lot to do with it, and be—you know—opportunities. I forgot what you see. Opportunities when uh, what's the definition? Of opportunity again is when. Oh no, luck is when opportunity meets preparation. Mission, yep. yeah. Yeah. So basically, that I was always—I was prepared, and I mean, I—I I knew enough people to be 
competitive. I just didn't know if I could be competitive at the trade level. And, and then I proved that I can. So, and yeah, so it, it's awesome, man. It's like life has a way of, if you go along for the ride, life has a way of taking you places sometimes where you don't think you're going to end up or whatnot, but it's been a hell of a ride. I might write a book about it one day. There's a lot of stuff that I've seen or done that I like scoopers sit on more than what they break. That's the irony. So it's like, you know, a lot of stuff doesn't make it to the page. So, but, you know, having the entourage background and then the reporter background, it's just, I've seen how the business has changed altogether very fast, very quickly, not only because of streaming, but because of superhero movies as well. You know, it's just very interesting. So, yeah, we definitely love to read that book one day. <laughs> but if day. Um, you already mentioned your, that the F- Fantastic Four was your favorite scoop, is there any other big scoops in your life that it, have, it wasn't, that had it wasn't, meaning? It's, it wasn't that it was my one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite. I've been thinking about that. What's my favorite scoop? But I think recently, because I'm a big, I'm a big fanboy and a big Deathstroke guy. I've always been a huge fan of Deathstroke. Okay. So when I broke when I broke that scoop, that was one of my top three because I love the character. And I'm the guy to do it, and he, that Joe Manganiello is supposed to get his own movie, and it's going to be written and starring this. It's going to be starring him written by and and directed by uh, the guy who did the raid. That deal fell apart. That that you know when they. When DC got rid of John Berg and Jeff Johns, that deal, that deal and that project went away, sadly. But at the time, it was true, and you know, I, I wish it turned out differently. You know, but uh, another scoop: uh, you guys, Game of Thrones fans? Yeah, definitely. All right, back in the days when scripts were more available, in 2008, I uh, I had this script, and uh, it's called Kashmir. And it was written by a guy named D.B. Weiss, otherwise known as Dan Weiss. You might have heard of him. He created a show called Game of Thrones. <laughs> basically, I'm, he, I knew he'd be something special. So basically, when I read that script, it was based. This is before Bin Laden was caught. Three years before Bin Laden was 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 caught. So he wrote a about a, a script about these guys, these mercenaries that go to you know they they track Osama Bin Laden's cell phone uh, and they use that to find a sick you know they lock on his signal to find out where he's located and three four soldiers of fortune go try to bring him back and his and complications ensue so but it was a he basically has a way of writing he has a way of writing that you could see the movie on the page so i knew i was in the hands of a master storyteller and somebody to watch and i was just happy to get him on his you know so the script review for cashmere got a lot of attention and i and it was one of the things that helped put him on the map and he was very thankful he wrote me a nice email we we've we've talked over the years so basically three years later i needed a solid I was like bro i'm throwing my first ever comic-con party called the kings of con at comic-con uh congratulations this is like the first year that game of thrones came out or, or is airing its first year so he sent me i had george r martin i had john snow and i had rob stark and a couple others i forgot their names uh at my very first comic-con party so that was cool of, wow. of dan Dude, he's a He's yeah, exactly. He's a very nice guy, sweet guy. So I'm I'm very happy for his success. Like I'm happy to have played a role in helping him get to the level that he needed to be to. And he told me about this book. Like this is. It took him four years to sell Game of Thrones. He told me I'm reading this book. You should check it out. But I saw the book and it's like a, a Harry Potter book. It was huge. Like I didn't have time to read uh, yeah. a six hundred a six hundred page book. Like all right, cool. I'll get to it. And then you know, all of a sudden that the pilot. Then he sells it and the pilot comes out and. The show comes out and it changes history and he's been and then you know now he's gonna go on and do star wars so he's he's good people man so i'm very happy for his success and happy that he pretty much changed he he's like a he's a treasure him and, De- and david benioff are like 
a gift to content and entertainment, man. Those guys, that show is amazing, man. I'm going to miss it so hard. No, yeah. 100%. Are you excited to see well. what they see next? Or you think they can tackle oh, yeah. Star Wars? Absolutely. They're master storytellers, man, those two. And I read David Benioff's script, too. So they're boys in real life. Like, David hooked up Dan and helped get Cashmere sold back in those days. And then uh, they started working together. As you see, they write and direct together. So I'm pretty sure they'll be fine tackling whatever they do next, especially Star Wars. So Star Wars needs a fresh set of eyes and hands. And I think it's 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 a good look for them and it's going to be a good move. And I'm excited to see what they do in the next five years uh, with Star Wars. But they're, yeah, well, Star Wars is in good hands, though. Yeah, 100%. we're definitely excited about it. Way, way no. more than the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Look at you. But, but, Umberto, I'd be remiss. You've mentioned Batman. We know you're a, a ace scooper. We know you're a big fanboy. What's your opinion of the DC? If you're if able to discuss, what's your opinion of the sure. DCU going forward in their future? And, and what's, what's it looking like for Batman? All right, here's the thing with the DCU, okay? Like, you, what are you as a giant fan, right? New York is, you, you know, think of New York Giants as Marvel. They got four Super Bowl rings. DC's like the Jets, and I'm a diehard Jet fan because I met Mark Gastineau back in the day. But the Jets is a team that has a lot of potential, but they get in their own way, man. Like, look what they did with the with the, the, the with the general manager just a week ago. So DC, if, the thing with DC is that they're very. They're owned by Warners, and Warners are a very old-school company in the way they do things and the way they do their business. They made some executive hires once Toby Emmerich got upped, and it's looking bright for the company as a whole. But I have a, they, they have a story problem, I think. Uh, they don't have a problem with executing. They, they throw all the money that they can at their DC movies and stuff. And thank God, thank God that Aquaman worked. I mean, they finally tapped a billion. It was a successful movie. It was a punchline on Entourage, quite frankly. Now it's now being taken seriously. The gassing, the movie was dope, and it did what it needed to do. But DC, I wish they were... But the thing with DC, I wish they weren't so reactionary. Basically, they're very reactionary to what happens in the marketplace, what happens when Marvel's doing and stuff. So I wish they had... <coughs> excuse me. I wish they had their own identity... And they got out. They get out of their own way, and you know, like we were talking about it at the Godzilla premiere. Like I'm having trouble confirming basic information on Suicide Squad because even for trade reporters, I'm talking like Variety, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, and us, they're not confirming stuff to us like everybody else does, even Marvel. But it's like it gets weird with them sometimes, and they they just get in their own way. So, um, like if you go work for Feige, okay, you know Feige's boss. You're pretty much there to do his will and if you're a director everything will be prepared for you that's not the case at, D at Warners in DC basically filmmakers run the show over there like Batman in my opinion took too long to you know a year just developing a treatment before a screenplay was executed and it's cool you want to get it right but it, it just the development of this this latest Batman movie took way too long um, I don't think I think I, I think they made, I mean, the previous administration made too many bad decisions and everyone responsible is gone now from that studio. So uh, to, the, the good news is that Toby Emmerich runs a lean ship. So let's see what happens with Birds of Prey. Let's see what happens with Suicide Squad. Let's see what happens with, uh, and Joker especially, and then Wonder Woman 1984. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
I think they need to put together. I think for DC to work, they need to put together like some sort of creative committee, the way Marvel had back in. Or if you look at the credits of like Endgame, like uh, the Inner Trust or the Brain Trust, they need to like bring comic book creators and and uh, members of DC and and even creators of like you know like Jim Starlin who created Thanos, who in my opinion had one of the best Batman runs in the late '80s when I was in high school. Like bring these guys and like figure out a universe, figure out a way for these movies to work. If they could knock, if they could figure out their creative, I mean, they got the greatest IP in the world. Everybody That's knows my Batman. thing. They got the greatest intellectual property in the world. They got Batman. Like I'm a diehard Batman fan. I've been reading Batman for over 30 years. I just so it's like if you could figure out Batman, you'll be fine. So that being said, what do I think about uh, Pattinson? Yeah. Um, I have okay. I'm a. I, at first, I was. I mean. Okay, so the thing is, I went to go pick up my girlfriend. This is funny. I'm going to get a little personal real quick. I went to, I left work an hour early to go pick up my girlfriend at the airport because she was in New York on some business. So she gets, she gets the, so, so I'm, I got to the airport alert. So I'm at the gate. I'm waiting for her. Okay. And uh, at 5.51 or 5.55, whenever Justin published the story, okay, I got the blast. I look at my phone. It was like Robert Pattinson top to play the Batman. My first reaction was like, oh, snap. I lost the scoop and it's like, Oh my God. And then I started panicking. I just left. And I'm the guy that the superior at the rap and I just left work and my girlfriend's about to come through. And I got, so basically my girlfriend comes through and I, I have a look on my face. Like somebody died. She like her heart sunk. And she was so mad at me because she's like, that's not the look she was waiting for when she's been on the plane seven hours to see that I was more focused on the Batman story instead of her. So I got in trouble that night. And on top of, on top of having to confirm the scoop and get, confirmation so we could get it on the page it 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 was a cluster uh it was kind of it wasn't easy but <laughs> i i i have to see a movie called good time so but i didn't know he was in this movie robert Pattinson did his movie with these two new yorkers and they shot because i'm from flushing queens and they shot good time in flushing so they made this real new yorker movie with real new yorkers and even and patterson and it's, it's flushing, so I, yo, I gotta get on this and see this immediately. So I saw bits and pieces of it so far. I haven't seen the whole movie. I just didn't have time. And he pulls off a Queen's accent very impressively. So like, I'm looking at him. He's okay. So he's handsome. Um, let's keep it real. All the Batman stuff, like the fights and all that, that's done by stump people. Ben Affleck, yeah. Fight. When they push him for close-ups and stuff, that's when Ben Affleck's in the suit. But make no make no mistake about it. Whoever they cast. It's all the stump. The stump people they're gonna hire is gonna do all the cool Batman stuff, all the action and swinging, and the flying, and then whatever they do digitally. But I made. I'm getting used to it. I mean, I didn't see it at first. Like uh, I remember when Affleck got announced because that's the day I broke Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket Raccoon. I thought I had the biggest scoop of the day. And then next thing you know, Warner's drops a press release that Ben Affleck got cast as Batman in August of 2013. And I was like, oh, they finally got a guy who's tall enough. Who's got the chin? Who's got the body? You know what I'm saying? He's going to be a dope Batman, you know? But uh, Patterson, like, based on what we know, it's going to be a younger Batman, like the first mission, a la Earth One or Year One. Like, you know, so he's trying to figure out more detective. And that's cool take. I want to see it. I mean, I love detective Batman. Who doesn't? Bruce is at his best when he's being an investigative guy. But, uh, yeah, when he's investigating and all that, so that's cool. But... We'll see, man. We'll see. I mean, he hasn't gotten the gig as of today. He still hasn't gotten the gig or there's not talks or anything like that, even though his team is telling people at cons that it's he's, he's pretty much a lot. <laughs> right before I left work to come 
come home and talk to you guys. We checked, and it's like, nope, there's no deal. It's like 50-50, so it's between him and Nicholas Holt. So it might not even happen, you know. So, but that's the thing. But I was talk. We were all talking about it at the guy. All the three trade reporters were talking about it. So if Justin, I mean. Here's a little bit of a inside information for you guys. If Justin didn't, that story was, if Justin didn't break it, it would have gone on deadline. Basically, that story was about to leak on deadline and Justin had to pull, and Justin found out and pulled the trigger. So like, oh, snap, that was cool. So then he did what he had to do. And if you notice the time sense, deadline went right after Variety's story broke. You know, and then they said Nicholas Holt, but uh, it was also a contender. So it was, it's an interesting turn of events. But, you know, I, Warner's knows they can't sleep on Batman. Warner's knows they cannot have another Batman v Superman fiasco. Excuse me, a Justice League fiasco on their hands. They cannot drop the ball with Batman. This is the la- This, this is the. They know that this. Everyone, they're all eyes on them. Everybody's looking on them. How they're going to react to Avengers? How they're going to react to Marvel? And what they're going to do about Batman? So they're all under insane amount of pressure. You know, so. They really are, especially like you said. For how long Matt Reeves took to get us this? It. All eyes are on them, and like you said, if if you get Batman right, the, the dominoes fall in line. It, it, everything Absolutely. comes out of Gotham. You, the Suicide Squad's easier. Birds of Prey's easier. All these villains you want to use, it's easier because you have the hub of, of Gotham set. No, absolutely. Like I met Walter Hamada. I've had lunch with him. He's a nice guy. He's a story guy, so I I'm, I have faith in what he's trying to do over there. Um, he's yeah. So he pretty much worked with Matt Reeves and got the story to the place where they now are comfortable enough to either start shooting the movie. From what I understand, if the the movie's supposed to start shooting uh, in November, November, I, I tweeted it recently too. Like I think November first in London because they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in London. So they got two months to shoot, then they break for the holiday and they resume in January. If not, they go in January. But it, as of now, it's scheduled to start production in November. So they're going to start cast. That's why they're starting the casting process now. They're going to start crewing up and going out and getting other actors and whatnot and filling up the other roles. But I, I mean, I love Batman, man. I, like, I, I read, I mean, my introduction to Batman, like, like everybody else is with the corny 60s show, and then uh, I read some Neil Adams books. But what when The Dark Knight came out, when The Dark Knight came out in 86, man, I, and I was I, back in the day, there was a comic book store that had a prof, you know, profound impact on me to this very day called Mike's Comic Con. So that dude will put everybody on. He's like, yo, you got to read, you got to read, you got to read Watchmen. You got to read The Dark Knight Returns. You got to read, the, you got to read The Man of Steel by John Burns. You know, like he got, he cared. And he gave you recommendations based on what you like. Is that you're gonna like this, 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 and this? And '86 was a great year for comic books. But since, but I got into comics before then. But with Batman, I started reading in '86, and then Jim Starlin, Aparo, DiCarlo, like the Death in the Family, the guys who pretty much killed Robin. And uh, and I'm one of those kids that called the night. Oh, voted. I voted. I voted. I'm yo. You know, I feel jipped. Because I voted so much, I got in trouble because back in those days, it's a 900 number. I got in trouble with my parents for blowing up that 900 number for Jason Todd to live, and he didn't live. So when they brought him back almost 20 years later to be, what's his name? Uh, Red Hood. Red Hood. Red Hood. I felt gypped. I was like, yo, I want a, I want a refund. I got in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I had no allowance. My father was mad at me, man. It's like, what are you doing running up the phone bill? 
for this for this for this character. You know, oh man, I got into a, I got in a lot of trouble for calling that number. And I just, you know, so I I just like why they bring you know, but it is. I mean, I, and I like Red Hood. Don't get me wrong. I thought what they did with him was dope, and he's a badass. He's like their Winter Soldier in a way, if you think about it. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. But I had to get. I was out of comics for a while. So I've been late. When I got back into it, I I started picking up everything that I missed. Like, like when I started working with my boy, like during the Entourage days, I didn't have time for read comic books, and I was out. So that's when Hush came out. So I've been revisiting a lot of books that I missed over the last couple of years, like Hush, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of other books and stuff. And I've just been like, what Tom King is doing with Batman right now is incredible. And I'm no, very, it's phenomenal. Like Bane is my favorite Batman villain. He's Latino. He broke Batman, and now he's break. He broke him emotionally, like, but with uh, the marriage of Selena Kyle, and he's, you know, so City of Bane, uh, Batman seventy five comes out the day after my birthday this July, so I'm I'm in. So those eight issues, I'm in, and then the five that follow, I want to see how Tom King wraps up his hundred issue storyline. But it, it's been it's been dope reading comics again, man. It's like it's, there's a lot of good stories. So it's like y'all can figure this out on comic books or on the page. Just figure it out in the movies. You guys will be all right, man. And it's you crazy because they have their whole animated run that they have figured out just as well. Yeah, no, I, I thought for a second they should get. Uh, I met Paul Dini for the first time too at the Shazam premiere. I was like, oh, because I was in college when the animated series came out, and I would I would record it or rush home to watch each episode, all the sixty something episodes of the animated series, and that was great. That's like I think one of the greatest Batman runs ever. So those guys, I think, should have had dibs on the movies or whatnot, but. Uh, no, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with the character. I'm gonna I'm gonna be tracking it very carefully. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, the animated series were big for us, especially you know the Justice League stuff too. And now that they yeah. brought it back all on the streaming service, we're getting to relive it all again. And they're even yeah. bringing Batman yeah. Hush to the streaming service now. Yeah, no, it comes out. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I think this summer it comes out. Yeah. Yeah, so we're definitely excited to see that story. Do you? What do you think about the storytelling for Batman going forward? Would you like to see someone like an adapted Hush story be this Matt Reeves, or you know, would you like to see just straight up adapted, or would you like to see these filmmakers take a little bit more of a I, direction of their own? Uh, direction. I look. Marvel obviously has found success loosely basing them. They don't stick to canon. But they loosely base their movies on like the Winter Soldier book, the Infinity Gauntlet. Maybe DC ought to do somewhat of the same, loosely interpret some of the better books for movies. Like I think the Court of Owls would be a yes. The Court of, I, that's one of the things I miss. I I, I didn't like I, I wasn't around for Rebirth. I mean, I mean no, I got it. like I started hardcore collecting again when Rebirth came around, but I wasn't around for the new fifty two. You know, like, but I, I discovered it, so I bought the paperbacks, the Night of Owls, the Quarter Owls, and all that. It's like, yo, this is dope. So maybe if they loosely base, like the way Marvel does, loosely base a movie on pop and use the IP, like that's what Feige does. Feige looks constantly, he's always looking at and meeting the splash pages, look at this page, look at this, look at that, look at this story. And they use that as a template, and it worked for 22 movies. It could work for DC as well. So I would love such great IP. And, and like you said, with Quarter Hours, they have talent to match Batman physically. They have, there's the detective stuff. Like, just as good as Tom King's run, Snyder's run was incredible. That's why he has yeah, Justice no, no. right now. Absolutely. I'm very impressed. Like, I'm not a fan. Don't get me wrong. I'm on, what's this? Uh, what's this? Uh, 
Dark Knight Metal. I'm. Oh, oh yeah, no, I didn't know. Yeah, I'm with you that, on that. I, that. That wasn't for me either. <laughs> that's not for me. That's, that's corny, man. I'm. I'm not feeling that. You know. So, <laughs> right. But Scott Snyder. Scott Snyder. Like I. I love like the Night Owls and the Court Owls storyline. That's a great book, man. I. I. That like what else? Uh, White Knight is cool. But you know, there's just a lot that they could do based on. Like I'm a huge fan of Ten Nights of the Beast. Huge. So when Tom King brought him back. You know where he shot where he Dick shot Grayson. Grayson. Oh, yeah. that, was that was awesome. So basically, you know, I've been telling everybody, look, if you could get, they just reprinted that storyline in the Cape Crusader Volume One, the Jim Starlin one, on paperback, just recently in the past year. And I tell everybody, yo, you want to read Batman? Get on this book, get this book, get this book. So Ten Nights of the Beast, before Bane, like I always wanted to see Batman challenged by somebody who could match him toe to toe. Physically and mentally. And KG Beast was that guy before Bane came along and broke his back like six years later. Like Nightfall, like I got out of comics right around Night's End slash Troika. Like I, and then they reprinted the 25th anniversary edition of all the entire Nightfall, night, the, the entire run. It's like, it's like about 10 books. I got all of the trade paperbacks and I have, I'm looking at them right now. So sometimes I revisit them and it brings back memories and whatnot. But I'm I'm happy. I mean, they they got it going on in the stories on the, on the, on the page. I just they if like I said, they I don't want to repeat myself. They just loosely base some of the material or some of the movies on the material that's already been printed successfully. I think they'll be okay. No, they'll be, they'll be just fine if they do that. Speaking of Marvel, you talked about just how how great five years and, and we've seen it twenty two movies. But with Endgame happening, and and don't worry about spoiling anything because we've already done our spoiler review. Our fans know. With, with Tony dying and Cap go, being an old man and with Thor going out in space, they're losing their mainstays. Black Widow's gone. What do you think is the future of Marvel? Where do you think they go from here? And, and not, not necessarily if you have any story beats, but just what's your opinion now that they, their mainstays are gone? Who do you think picks up that torch? Interesting question. Good question, by the way. So my thing is they're going to they're going to they're going to I mean, they have a plan. They're going to figure it out. Uh, I think, you know, they're going to make a Black Widow movie. They're making the Eternals. And I think we'll find out at Comic-Con, Hall H, that Saturday at 4 o'clock, we'll see either they present the slate there or they're presented at D23. So I think he's going to, Feige's now a proven risk taker. And he's got enough confidence that he knows how to chart a ship. Now, mind you, the Infinity Stone saga has been set up for seven years. So now that they own Fox, they could build up to Galactus. Yeah. They could build up to Galactus. They could build up to Doctor Doom even. Um, well, you know, I don't think we're going to see Fantastic Four. I could be wrong. I don't know if we're going to see Fantastic Four, the X-Men, until 2024 at the earliest. But I think now they're going, you know, they, they go in a different direction. Uh, there's going to be a reconfiguration period for a while. They'll still, they'll still be hits, like, they got the streaming service coming out. Like just today, they announced the director for the Winter Soldier Falcon series. It's a six-part series coming to the streaming service that comes out next year. So I think they're gonna they're gonna continue making stories on both the streaming platform than the movies. And I think uh, we'll find out this summer. Like I'm curious, just like everybody else, where do they go after Avengers? They're still gonna make some sort of Avengers movies. It's just gonna be a different team. There'll probably be some sort of like uh, like West Coast Avengers type thing or what was. Great, uh, Great Lakes Avengers or something. They'll they'll put these teams together, 
And and if they need somebody to make a special guest star appearance, I guess they'll do that. But I'm just we'll see. I mean, I think they'll be fine. Everything of theirs worked. They still got they still got Black Panther two to put out. That's going to be a massive. Black Panther's already a franchise. They got um, Captain Marvel two to to worry about. Guardians as which is probably going to be called this Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy three. Captain Marvel. Um, Black Widow to Black, I'm um, excuse me, Black Panther to Black Widow, Eternals, and then uh, yeah, we're all trying to find out what's the next IP to develop it, but it's been like, it's been like Fort Knox up in there, you know. So they're holding it close to the vest, very close. So I have a feeling by Comic Con we'll know what, 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 or if not, they'll do another press event where they just tell us to slate for the next five years. Do you think do you- Spider Man safe? Not not to cut you off, Schubert. That's just something quick. Just due to the Sony. In Marvel deal, how do you feel Spider-Man stays with Marvel? And because Sony's trying to do their own universe with Venom and all the villains, how how do, how do they maintain keeping Spider-Man and Peter in the MCU? Well, money. It's real simple. Okay, yeah. I think I have a feeling that either they renegotiate the deal or they get a little too cocky. Ah, we don't need Marvel anymore. We don't need Feige. We got our own IP. We got Venom. So one of two things could happen. They do a they renegotiate, do a deal for Spider-Man to continue being part of the MCU. Or that goes away, and then he teams, and he goes, and inevitable. I think it's inevitable. He's gonna, he's gonna be in a movie with Venom, you know. But if, if see, because Spider-Man: Far From Home follows Avengers: Endgame, and it's the end of the, it's really the end of Phase Four or Phase Three, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? They, you know, it's gonna do a lot of money, and they make a lot. It's probably gonna make a billion dollars. So they'll be like, okay, you know what? We should continue this deal. This deal is actually a good business for us to be. So I have a feeling Spider-Man, or the third possibility, he does a movie with Venom, he stays part of the MCU, or he does both. Okay? Or, or they do both. I don't know yet. I'm not sure. I'm investigating that. And then the Spider-Man Far From Home, they start screening that soon and whatnot. But uh, no, I, I don't I work for Tom Holland. I, you know, I have a feeling he's going to stick around. He's gonna stick around. I could I could be wrong, but I have a feeling he's gonna stick around in the MCU. Fans want to see him in the MCU. I think there'll be a revolt if he's not part of the MCU anymore. You know, especially yeah. how well they've done it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, what I was gonna ask is, do you think that now with the announcement of the Disney Plus streaming, do you think that Marvel's gonna go to telling some of their stories in that platform, like with the uh, Falcon Winter Soldier? Yeah, absolutely. Like. You know, I want to see what Feige, what kind of chops Feige, Feige's a proven storyteller. So I want to see what he brings to the streaming service because those movies, those series are going to have unlimited budgets, just like the movies. They're going to put, they're going to throw everything at them. They know it's their crown jewel. So if it's six episodes, what, you know, six episodes of Falcon and Cat and uh, Winter Soldier doing their own thing. I think that's hot. It's like, like we, you know, like they do the same thing in comics also, you know, so it's like they take a different, they, the streaming service gives them a chance to be experimental and not take such a huge risk. You know, like, yeah. like uh, these movies cost a lot of money, like two, three hundred million. I think spending less than that, like fifty to hundred million, on like or, on these up on these streaming services, they could take creative risks and see what works and what doesn't, and then bring those characters into movies. Like I have a feeling the X Men or maybe Wolverine could be one of these characters. That make an appearance on the streaming service before graduating to the movies, you know? It's yeah, a, it's, that'd, be, that'd be interesting. It's like a workshop if you think about it. All the all the ideas that they have for this for the streaming shows is something for the it's like a way for them to workshop creatively, low risk, you know, because the streaming I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up for that streaming service. I don't know who is it, 
You know, yeah. we're all going to sign up for it. You know, it's, it's a it's a it's a fair price point. They're going to have all the movies on there, so it, it would make. And they're going to bring probably exclusive content for that. But I think it's it, I think it's a good look and it's a good idea. Like who you know, I, I'm in. I love I love Winter Soldier, man. So it's like I want to see. I would love to see what happens. What they're gonna do during these six episodes and how Falcon handles the shield? Come on, man. We're, we all we all we're all curious. We're all gonna watch it. That's so, what I'm saying. It's got to be Cap Falcon, huh? That's that's, that's I think, what I assume. I think so too. I think that that's why it's gonna be six episodes. I think they they, they could take that risk on a TV show that they can't take in a movie. In a movie, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's still gonna be the same thing because it's still part of the universe, still part of the MCU. That's what I love about Marvel. They don't what's called bifurcate their intellectual property. My goodness, how many different Batman shows are? How many different <laughs> oh Batman gosh. are out there? There's a Batman on, on Gotham. There's a Batman on Batwoman. That's <laughs> there's Titans. one in Titans. <laughs> yeah, there's one in Titans. I mean, was Sir, Sir Joris playing Batman now? There's <laughs> yeah. like three different Deathstrokes. Like, what's going on, man? They, they're taking the metaverse a little too seriously. You no, know, they really are. They, that, what I think the DC, they need somebody like a Feige that knows how to produce movies and tell stories more and, and then like keep the IP consistent. We got one Batman. Oh no, like we got one Captain America. We got one Iron Man. There's no three Iron Men. There's no four Thors. You know, that, that confuses people, especially general audiences. You know, so. And, and that's one thing I'm worried about with DC going forward is like, I'm super excited for the Joker movie, but is it going to confuse everybody? I have a, now that. They could, you know, like you know how uh, DC has the Elseworlds line, yeah, Worlds imprint. I think they could make, they could take risky decisions and like do a Joker, like an Elseworlds style Joker, or tell like, you know, like the White, you know, Batman the White Knight would be something that they could do there too. Red Sun, Red Sun, exactly. Tell, tell these kind of stories on a on a label that they still don't have a name for. By the way, remember there was supposed to be a name. For yeah, there was. DC, and they still never announced it. I'm like, okay, what's the name of the imprint? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so they, they could take these risks and, and see what works or what doesn't. So not be part of the proper DCEU, you know? Because it's just, it's a weird situation because Aquaman worked and so did Wonder Woman. But what do you do about Superman and Affleck's Batman, you know? So it'd be that, cool. Maybe maybe they retconned them. Who knows? With, with Pattinson. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. what they should do. And it's crazy because they let James Gunn make an Elseworlds story with Brightburn. They did, yeah, yeah. Like well, lo- on the lowest of keys, you know, but, absolutely. But we just finished one of the biggest TV shows in history with Game of Thrones. You talked about Benioff and Weiss. Uh, what was your opinion on the final season? And if you had to guess, what do you feel is the next big event television show? If there will be one, I love the. I love season eight. I love the Battle of Winterfell. I love same. The, uh, I love the battle with the foe was dope. The way the Night King went out was dope. The, the episode before that, like when they're all chilling, hanging out, you know, when 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 uh, Brianna Tarf gets knighted, and they all their, their personal stories, and then of course when uh, Daenerys trashes King's Landing. Like if my girlfriend just recently got into Game of Thrones, and she's been watching it, binge watching it every day. You know, so like she started like a week or so before eight, season eight came out and she's up. She's almost she's halfway through season six. So I've been watching key episodes with her at night because that's how she unwinds and stuff. And if you and like people, I see the pen, the fans complaining. But if you pay attention, really pay attention to the show, it's all set up like you yeah, it really is. Daener- Daenerys was was da- was Dracari people left and right for multiple seasons. She burned every everybody. season. Yeah, she was getting rid of cities. She was. 
burning people. I mean, it was set up that she was going to, she's a Targaryen. It was set up she was going to lose her damn mind and torture City, you know, and that's exactly what she did. So I wasn't surprised. I love the ending. I love, everybody's talking about that shot when she comes out and the dragons raised her oh, wing. yes. That's a hell of a shot. That's one of the most iconic shots in the series. I love how, you know, and I, and I love what happened. I'm pretty sure everybody saw it by now, so we're not talking spoilers. I love what, you know, that it went back to the Starks, that the Starks are the ones, in, you know, in, like Sansa became queen, Arya went off to the West, John's back at the Night's Watch, and uh, Bran is the king, man. Like Vegas yeah. oddmakers had Bran being kings back last since last year. I, thought, see, I saw that. Like I saw Bill Simmons talking about that on his pod last year, and I was like, "There's no effing way." Yeah, but it worked out that way, and that's what's good, you know. And it, and it's it was surprising. Overall, a very satisfying season, in my opinion. Satisfying series. I love the series. It's up there with Sopranos, Entourage, Sex in the City, all the great HBO shows, The Wire. It's all up there with me. I'm gonna miss it profoundly. Because it, that show had some balls. Now, I asked my TV team, yo, what do you, because I don't really cover TV, what do you guys think is going to be the next event series on the Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones? So I, I have a feeling, Lord, like when Amazon drops their Lord of the Rings series, that that could be, that could perhaps be something. That could perhaps, uh, that could perhaps be the, uh, the next big thing. But right now, I really don't know what the next event series could be. It could be, hey, who knows? It may be, it might be one of these 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 Disney streaming shows. The Mandalorian could probably be something special, or maybe the Falcon and uh, and Winter Soldier could be something because of how popular the MCU is. Maybe that could be an event thing. You never know. It does. I mean, I have a you know. It could be you know. Or what's the next Stranger Things? Who knows? It could be on Netflix. It could be on Showtime. It could be on HBO, or even one of these or the Disney streaming service. We don't know. But yeah. maybe Lord of the Rings. Maybe Lord of the Rings. That's a it's a great question. I just don't have an answer for it. I just don't know. Yeah, what about Watchmen? You see, yeah, that's Watchmen. where I was gonna go. Watchmen will be. I'm, we're all gonna watch Watchmen. Fanboys are gonna watch Watchmen. The question is whether general audiences, were you know, regular Joe Sixpacks, gonna watch the show like they did with Sopranos and, and and Game of Thrones and Sex in the City and The Wire and all. That. If it's one of these shows that transcend popular culture and become an event, that's hard. That's hard to predict. Actually, so it's it's a great question, and I couldn't get a straight answer. Everybody had a different answer, but in, uh, Lord of the Rings on Amazon—you never know. We'll see. Yeah, that, that that's gonna be huge because Tol- bringing Tolkien back and Amazon's putting money into that. They're not gonna just fumble the rock on that. One. And Amazon's been killing it. They really. I, have. I love I love all, a lot of their originals. Same. Yeah. But speak before we get you out of here. We know you're a big sports fan. We know you big into the New York market. How are you feeling about your New York teams? The Jets just getting rid of their GM. Knicks losing the 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 lottery. It's it's, it's not a good time to be a New York uh, fan. No, sports fan, no, it's not, man. The I think the toughest fandom in sports is being a Knicks, Jets, and Mets fan. Because ownership <laughs> is ownership and management is what killing these teams. How is New York City? Where a lot of, you know, New York is really a basketball town. And it, it is. It breeds, a, it breeds a lot of talent. You know, like Mello, he came from Coney Island. How is New York whack in basketball? I just don't get it. And the problem is, James Dolan, that, that's, those games are always all sold out. James Dolan's making a lot of money on those seats and those luxury boxes. So it's like, he doesn't care how bad the product is. And that's sad. But, I mean, and then, so we, we lose the pick. And then the next day, the Jets fired the general manager. It's just, and then the Mets and their fathers, look at, like, today, it's been a bad week. 
We got back <laughs> the Jets, the Knicks, and then today this guy breaks his foot in his house. Like, come on, man. I'm, yes, I'm like, yo, what's going on? What, is, am I being tortured on purpose or something? What's going on over here? You know, and it's like, this is so sad. All these teams, the Jet, the Knicks, the Jets, and the Mets can't get it together, man. You know? It's funny, man, because you're right. Like, I saw that Cespedes story today, and I was like, another hit to New York. And then, y'all, and then if you're a Giants fan, drafting Daniel Jones and Eli isn't any better. So it, it, yeah. it's rough all around. No, uh, I'm doing yeah. cardio this morning, and I see that they're going to start – that Eli's going to start again? I don't think for, like, three years. He, oh, my God. I don't think – I think they should move on from Eli. He, yes. he, was a, he bought us two rings to New York City. They were great games. They were great runs. But, dude, he's, he's not the guy he used to be. He's 38 years old. He, does, he moves like a guy t- older than that. You could, you know what I'm saying? I, I, and he doesn't have really have an offensive line. He's going to get killed in the pocket. You know, he's not a guy like – He's not a guy like uh, like Tom Brady who has this ridiculous offseason conditioning program where he's pretty much Gumby and he's elastic and stuff. But, you know, I, I like I, I don't get me wrong. In terms of football, the Giants run New York City. Four Super Bowl rings tell that story. You know, I was there for 80. I was there in 86, 90, 91 when I graduated high school. And then 2007, 2011, you know, that's, I got four Super Bowl rings. I want to see the Jets get one now so I can have one on one hand. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen with this owner. But, um, you know, and then that, those those are legendary teams, but the Giants had legendary teams. So to go from the just beating the the, the the Patriots not once but twice and then slipping, come on, man. And then we get – why do we – we trading away – we traded away that what's his name OBJ to like Cleveland and the you know getting rid of our best players. Come on, man. Yeah, <laughs> y'all lost that. It's funny because we have ties to Odell and it's like y'all gave him the Cleveland of all places. Y'all just made a new super team. It, it's funny. You mean North yeah. LSU? Yeah, North exactly North LSU. But thank it's- you so much, Umberto, for coming on the show, man. We really, really appreciate it. Tell the people where they can find you out on social media and plug anything you got going on away. You can find me on Twitter at El Mayimbe, on Instagram at Umberto Gonzalez, uh, HeroicHollywood.com. We have fan page, uh, Umberto Gonzalez on Facebook and HeroicHollywood.com on, on Facebook as well. And, of course, to rap, I'm always around. Like t- That's how you found me. I'm on Instagram. You know, I check. I, I try to reply back to everyone who hits me up on a DM and stuff. Like, I, I, I'm from the school. I'm from the Gary Vaynerchuk school. I, I respond to everybody, give them a like or a heart. Or a response like I'm very humble that I even have fans or people who read my work, man. So it's like I'm, you know, I don't take that for granted, man. You know, so I'm, I try to be accessible to everybody as much as I can. You know, thank so. you, man. We really appreciate it because that's one thing that I can say that ha- attracted me to following you and keeping up with the heroic Hollywood. Even before we started this podcast, when I was trying to find news about BVS and who's Zack Snyder casting, you, I would go to El Mayimbe first off because he would always have and he would always communicate with us. I remember when you did the videos with Daniel Alter, Alter back in the, the gap. Yeah, I'm trying to get that heroic inside. I'm trying to get that going again, man. You know, so it's like it's just it's just about. It's about timing and logistics, but it's like if not, I might launch a YouTube channel and start putting out videos to give commentary on this, you know, like on stuff that I can't put in a scoop or whatnot, you know. So, yeah, but I <laughs> appreciate be- the opportunity, man. It's, I had a great time talking to you guys. One hundred percent. Thank you, and uh, until next time, have a good one, brother. You too. Have a good evening. Wow, Lyndon, that was a great interview. I'm so glad that we brought him on. 
Yeah, man. I'm, I hope the fans enjoy it as much as we did. We got to talk about the DCU. We got to talk about Marvel. We got to talk about your boys, Benny and Weiss. Like, yeah. it, was, it was great, great interview. Hearing him about his entourage-style life, getting into Hollywood, dope. Just all the things that we talked to Umberto about. Really great conversation. You guys make sure you go follow Umberto on Twitter, at Umberto Gonzalez. And go check yeah. out Heroic Hollywood, too. Yeah, because his site has all the updated news in the superhero world and uh, superhero culture and just stories and scoops dropping. Be sure to check that out as well. But yes, Shubi, that's all we really got for episode 42, brother. Yeah, so we didn't go in depth into any of the big movies coming out this Memorial Day weekend. We'll touch on that next week. So, As well as Doom Patrol, because it's the finale. As well as Doom Patrol, because it will be the finale and we didn't catch up on this week's episode with all the excitement that we had. So... Yeah, there's definitely a lot to touch on next week, and I think that we had some pretty interesting stories today. I mean, if you haven't seen those Variety Fair Star Wars pictures, then you're living under a rock. You need to go the look at them right Fair, now. The Vanity Fair, bro. The Vanity Fair. That's what I said. No, you said Variety. Oh, my bad. No, yeah, Vanity that's Fair. all good. Yeah, Vanity Fair. We're all good. But yeah, no, check out those things. I enjoy the stories. Or check out those trailers. But yeah, man, that's all we really got this week. It should be. All right, well... Make sure you go back to our previous episodes if you want to get a review on Senate, on earlier Game of Thrones, Endgame. Uh, I think we talked, I, well, at least I had talked a little bit about Detective Pikachu, other things along the way. And be sure to keep up with everything that's going on with the Bros Who Think Network. Lyndon, what's, what's happening right now? We just dropped a recent episode of the BWT pod. We're talking NBA playoffs. We're talking Drake versus the Bucks. We're talking the new Tyler, the Creator album. We're talking the DJ Khaled album, Real Heavy Music, as well as some other things. You can check that out. That's brand new. We also dropped some new video content. If you're an anime fan or a manga reader, we reviewed Kishimoto's new series, which is he's the creator of Naruto. He just dropped a new manga series called Samurai 8. Me and Chris are reviewed Chapter 2. That's on YouTube right now, as well as Charles is talking uh, Pelicans basketball. He has a, a episode with Will Guillory out right now, which is super dope. But he also has an episode. I can say this by the time you guys hear this, he has a really dope episode with David Favale. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, or Dan Favale, and uh, it's super super dope. So be sure to check that out as well. But other than that, you can find all our content wherever you check out podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, wherever you get it. Remember to subscribe, or if you want an easier access, go to www.brosuthink.com. But other than that. That's all I got, Shuby. Yeah, make sure if you are do visit the website, broswhothink.com, that you submit a question or a comment or something that you would like to hear us talk about or maybe even go into review. Because what I'd like to maybe start doing this summer is reviewing movies that you want us to talk about. Like if there's a movie out there on Netflix, like let's say Polar or something, that we never really dived into and you want to hear us hear our thoughts about it, it was eyes. We'd love to talk about it. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely right. We would definitely love to talk about it. But Polar, I had more hype. I was, I was more hype before. Yeah, or you know, if it's a series too, like if you're interested in The Tick, which I've actually started watching pretty recently. Isn't it? We good? could talk about The Tick. Yeah, I do like The Tick. I really do. It got canceled, man. I know it's it's a bummer, and I, I it sucks because I've seen some interviews with some of those uh, the people behind it and some of the actors and actresses and. They really, really cool, really cool people, and they were really into it. Yeah, so 100%. Kind of bummed about that. But, you know, Amazon Prime is shelling out some good stuff, so I, I'm sure that there's going to be something great to come. I mean, what, isn't The Boys about to come out this summer? Ooh, that might be the event show. You're right, The Boys is coming out. 
I'm excited. So, so lots of interesting things to come. Make sure you check out everything on the Bros Who Network and submit some things on the thebroswhothink.com because we'd love to talk about what you want to talk about. Um, so, Lyndon, um, I guess we're done here, huh? Yeah, man, that's it. All right, well, you can catch us next week, as you can every Friday, for another Bros Who Binge. And you know, make sure you have a safe and fun Memorial Weekend. Go catch some movies and the long weekend. Or maybe go relax on the beach or at a park or something, because it should be a very nice time to have a long weekend. I'm definitely excited not to go to work on Monday. So keep listening to the shows. Have a great weekend and keep it. I think I'm going under. I think I'm in.